The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Wow. Unbelievable. You think it's a slow business day? We were getting ready today. What were we going to talk about? Well, the A's made a trade. They brought in infield outfielder Tony Kemp. Obviously, Tony Kemp is going to be a guy that's going to battle for the second base position with Franklin Barreto and Noisy and Mateo. But... That's not the story today. I remember when this first thing came out about the Houston Astros. I went off on the Astros. I was upset because I knew this was going on. I knew teams had complained to Major League Baseball about this. I was very harsh on them to a point to even some people said, You know, Chris, you might be, remember, we're all Major League Baseball teams here. You might be going after them a little harsh. Well, obviously, I was right. And they got treated harsher than I ever thought they would. A.J. Hinch, gone. Jeffrey Luno, gone. Terminated. They were suspended by Major League Baseball. And then Jim Crane, the owner, took it a step further, and fired his general manager and his manager who won them the World Series. This is a historic day. And it's not over. It could get worse. Because a man who is mentioned all throughout this investigation is now linked to two teams that have won the World Series, the Astros and the Red Sox, and that's Alex Cora. In this report, he's mentioned 11 times. He's basically the mastermind of electronic cheating. Alex Cora has been a darling in this sport. Ever since being the bench coach to then lean the Red Sox to the championship and everybody loving Alex Cora. Alex Cora is in so- I'm not going to be shocked. We're on until 4 o'clock today. I won't be shocked if Alex Cora is fired by the end of the show. We've been on top of this, and I'm glad. You know, sometimes, you know, you got to look at issues and you got to address issues that make people uncomfortable. But the actions of the Astros have dramatically affected the Oakland Athletics. The A's have won 97 games two straight years 
only to get you into a wild card game. I don't know how much their cheating affected wins and losses for the Houston Astros. They've been cheating. And this is not your traditional, I'm looking into the dugout and I'm looking at your signs. This is blatant electronic cheating with cameras and televisions. I don't know if Jeffrey Luno will ever get another job in Major League Baseball. That's how serious this is. They have basically found in their investigation of what a horrible workplace it was in Houston. Not treating employees with respect. Not treating people around the organization with respect. The same thing has gone on. Brandon Taubman, we remember all that from the World Series and the playoffs. He's also suspended. He's never getting another job. And what was funny to me is how everybody threw the Astros in our face. How smart they are. They're smarter than everybody else. They don't need it, you know. We don't need scouts. We don't need to be nice to employees. We can do whatever we want because we're the smartest guy in the room. It was a bad culture that everybody was praising. Shame on all of you in the game of baseball who are, who are praising this type of behavior. It was unprofessional. It was wrong. And you can't run your business like this. I say all the time. It's about winning and losing. That is true. But this is bigger than that. This is treating people like professionals. You can't be a a Major League Baseball, an NFL, an NBA, an NHL franchise and treat people the way they were treating humans. And that's what's sad is that they were applauded for how great they were. There was a book out called Astro Ball. Look how smart these guys are. And I say it time and time again. You're bringing people into our sport who are just data crunchers. They're not really management. They get management titles, but they're not real managers of people. They're just smart. They've got these incredible degrees. And they know how to they know how to utilize numbers for business. That's fine. But when you start giving them titles like general manager, assistant general manager, they now oversee a department inside the organization called baseball ops. You still have to understand how to manage people. Why do you think Billy Bean has had a job for the last, well, this will be his 24th season? Brian Cashman, 24 seasons? Because you still have to be able to manage people and run a department and be professional. I've said this many times. None of this would ever happen under Billy Bean. None of it. Especially with the assistant GM and domestic violence, and the closer, 
and the reporters, that would have never happened in our clubhouse. And if it would have happened, people would have been fired that day. Jeffrey Lunau, the 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 has really never apologized for anything. It's 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 unbelievable arrogance. And Jim Crane, the owner, who did a long press conference, and if you were watching MLB Network, you got to see it. You know, he talked about how AJ Hinch is very upset about the decision. But then this doesn't shock me at all. Asked about Luno and how he took it. Well, Crane basically spun it as he just went, okay. No, not a whole lot of emotion because he's traveling. Man, there's going to be so much that really comes out about how cold-blooded this front office for the Houston Astros has been. And it'll probably be a case that a lot of people around sports will talk about this for many years to come. I mean, already we knew that in colleges, they were already using the Astros as an example and not as a good one. How will this affect the team? I don't know. Can't be good. I mean, you're going to spring training and you don't have your manager. You don't have your the man who runs the organization. They still have talent, but this is a dark cloud. I mean, they will really have to be a band of brothers who rally, you know, it's us against the world. And a lot of times that doesn't work. A.J. Hinch was their leader, and your leader is now gone. Like, I can't imagine the A's going to spring training without Bob Melvin. You're going to have a guy that's going to, whoever they end up picking, the spotter or whoever, is going to be an interim manager. God, people have already floated out. Bruce Bochy was on the program last week. Do you go and say, hey, Boach, we need some leadership, and we need it quick. We need stability. Would he do that? I don't know. You know, and I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and say that this is great news for the A's, even though it really is. You know, when when the team that's been beating you is in turmoil, that's not bad. But I don't want to see it that way because you know, the, a lot of people have been affected, and I can tell you, all of our Houston people, they don't want to talk about it. You want to talk about a a bad 24 hours for a sports town. The Houston Texans were in Kansas City on the road and had a 24-0 lead and lost. Literally one of the worst playoff losses in the history of pro football. And less than 24 hours, your then baseball team loses its manager and general manager. I mean, this has been a, you talk about a crazy news cycle for a sports town. This is it. And the Astros, it's it's a big deal there. I was, you know, earlier this year, uh, or last year, I should say, God, sorry, last year. 
Uh, I was in Houston during the playoffs when the Raiders were taking on the Texans. And I can tell you, Astro people were at, was I there for the World Series? Yeah, I think I was there during the World Series. And Astro people, the, the, the fans, they love this team. This team has taken over that town. They love the Astros. Why wouldn't they? But this is a really bizarre time. And the one thing that sticks with me from this, you know what I'm going to tell you next? There's something that was said by Astros people that really got to get you thinking if you're Major League Baseball and you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I'll tell you what that is next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Martin Gallegos is going to join us coming up here at 1.30 from MLB.com. We'll do a little top 10, a little A's history with our A's historian Dave Feldman at 2.30. And Mike Petriello will join us at 3 o'clock from MLB.com and StatCast. We are efforting people from Houston. Want to know what it's like. I mean, this is, I, it, it's, it's never been done before. We've never seen something like this. You know, the draft picks that they're losing is a big deal. They lose their first and second round pick this year and next. They're fined $5 million, which is the most you can fine a team in baseball under its constitution. The thing, though, that we need to look at is the Astros people that were interviewed by Manfred's team said, listen, we're not the only guys doing it. And they basically, the amount of people they accuse of doing it is basically a third of the league. If you have a third of your game cheating, I mean, we're going to make this professional wrestling? People need to know who buy the tickets. People need to know who watch on television and radio. They have to know that this thing's on the up and up. And you can't be, okay, who's cheating? Who's not cheating? Is everybody cheating? Like, what is the deal? I guarantee you what's happened today, if this doesn't deter you from cheating, you need to be banned for life. This is where we're at. You basically have watched two guys' careers ultimately change to where we don't know. You can sit there, and I guess Bob Costas said on MLB Network that he thinks Jeffrey Luno will get another job. I don't know that. A.J. Hinch will get another job. I don't know that. People can bar you from a game and never hire you again. Get Colin Kaepernick on the phone. You don't think Colin Kaepernick is a better quarterback than some of these backups that have been employed for years? No one signed him. 
You don't know. And actually, for, for Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, it from a business standpoint, by firing his general manager and by firing his manager, you basically get that stink off you as fast as you can. Because if there, if, if there is this, hey, after the World Series, they're back in position, this just lame duck, this lame duck just... This just hangs over your head for the next, I don't know what, eight months? By firing them, you're going to try and get this away from you as fast as possible. Think if you're the Dodgers. Just think about that. You've gone to two World Series, lost both World Series to the two teams that are cheating. They're being investigated by Major League Baseball. Think about that if you're the Dodgers. You go in 17 and 18, and you lose to the two teams that are the biggest cheaters. And they celebrated on your home field. On your home field at Dodger Stadium. By the way, there's been people around this program who have been big fans of the Astros, who actually read the book Astro Ball, and who have been on A's Cast Live applauding the way the Astros do business. I wonder how those so-called people feel now. We'll have to get them on. We'll have to effort them. See, they're, uh, uh, He's on as we speak. You know, I, I was always a – I knew the story of Luna before he – you know, when he took over the Astros after the Ed Wade regime and, you know, in the hundred, the three straight years of losing 100 games and then they came in and they won three straight years of 100 games. That's their first team to do that, I think, ever. And it's just incredible to see the downfall of an organization that everyone revered around baseball for what they've done with, with the prospects and how they built that team from the ground up. And now you're seeing Luno out, Hinch out, their assistant GM fired. You don't, you don't, uh, Jim Crane said he's going to take over baseball operations for now and looking at, for an internal candidate. You don't know, your manager reportedly might be Joe Espada, who was a finalist for the Giants job and the Cubs job. It's just, and you mentioned Astro Ball. It, it was a very good book by, uh, by Ben, uh, ben Ryder from SI. And he mentioned a big part of that book, they talk about Carlos Baltron, who uh, now is the manager of the Mets. He's mentioned in the book how he helped a lot of the young players get better at studying video. Cheating? So, uh, but the thing about Beltron too is that, you know, he, his name's meant he's the only player mentioned in the report, but but they're not going to suspend him as of now. But you can't you can't get rid of Hinch and then think about what's going to happen with Core and they go, "Ah, Beltron, he was just a player then." doesn't matter. He's the manager of a team now, and he could implement these same things Should, with the yeah, team. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's like Major League Baseball is now saying, we're, uh, we're not going to touch the players. Because the players, it's a different deal. The players, you're going to have to go through the players' union. And right now, everybody's trying to play nice right now because there's been a, a fractured relationship with the players' union. But at this point, Beltron's not a player anymore. So why would the Players Union get involved in that? I mean, this is big league stuff, man. Alex Cora supposedly is the mastermind of this, and he was setting up these monitors. And supposedly, A.J. Hinch smashed these monitors, uh, broke them more than once. And the question is, if Hinch got a year and Cora's the mastermind, what do you do to Cora? Like, like, 
there's a huge ripple effect that if that affects the Red Sox, then what do you do? How does that affect Dave Dombrowski if he ever wants to get a job again? How does that affect Cora? How does that affect Mookie Betts? Does he now want to? If they get rid of Cora, does he go? You know what? I I trade me now. So that can that could you know essentially ruin the Red Sox season too. But that's the one I'm curious about. The guy's been mentioned 11 times in the report. He's now been accused for two different organizations. And I want to see what they I want to see. They came down hard on the Astros, and I commend them for that. I commend Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball for that. But I want to see what happens, what they do to Alex Cora, because their investigation is still ongoing. Okay, so if you gave one guy a year, I mean, you, you, it's got to be like a ban. You're not going to suspend a guy for two years. If you're going to go, if you're going to give Alex Cora a deeper punishment than you gave A.J. Hinch, what are we talking about? You're not going to suspend a guy for two years. You'll just suspend him indefinitely. Think about that. This guy was, oh, my God, Alex Cora was a golden boy in this game. Bench coach for the Astros, leads the Red Sox to the World Series. You want to talk about fall from grace? You know, we saw A.J. Hinch. It was funny. We had, we. If you remember, we uh, if you're listening while we were down at the winter meetings, we were walking right behind A.J. Hinch, and we made the joke that we started banging on trash cans. But I wonder if he had any idea. I wonder if these guys, when they were in San Diego for the winter meetings, because this, this has just been hanging over their heads. They knew something was coming down. I wonder if he knew it would be this harsh. And if you're A.J. Hinch, you need to get ahead of this. You need to You need to come clean, and you need to kind of separate yourself from this if you're ever going to get another job. You know, this whole thing like, hey, I tried to stop it. But even that is so, I mean, you're the manager. It's your team. I mean, I, 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 the buck stops with you. That's why you're getting suspended. But AJ needs to hold a press conference because if if you follow Jeffrey Luno, he's basically gonna he's gonna go dark. I mean, this is a guy that, that, that seriously, this is somebody who, if there's something going on that's wrong, he takes zero accountability for it. So I. I I doubt we will ever see Jeffrey Luno get up in front of the press and take questions. A.J. Hinch, if he wants to manage again, has to. He's got to get up and he's got to wear it. And then he's got to somehow try and, and keep from being the, you know, the mastermind of it. Clearly the report shows that Alex Cora is the mastermind of all of this. I do think players should be held accountable, too. Sounds like they're not, but I think they should. I think they should. They Whoever was involved in doing it, because that's also how you teach the players not to do it. You know, it's one thing affecting a manager and a general manager. 
It's another thing when it starts affecting players. You know, these guys were getting suspended with without pay for a year. You start doing that to some players, that'll grab their attention really quick. How does this affect the American League West? That's a big question today. We'll talk about it next with, Mart- with Martin Gallegos right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We got Fan Fest coming up. January 25th, Jack London Square. And on that day, single game tickets will go on sale Saturday, January 25th. So you want to see the Bronx Bombers. You want to see the Red Sox without their manager. The Twins, the Mets, the Braves, you name it. You go to athletics.com slash tickets. Got some really big-time talent coming in. You know, you're going to get to see Ronald Acuna Jr. this year at the Collie. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, the polar bearer, Pete Alonzo. Tickets go on sale, single-game tickets, on January 25th. You go to athletics.com slash tickets, and then make sure you come out for FanFest. FanFest, always one of the uh, great times on the calendar for A's fans. You know, I've uh, I've sent text out to, to people uh, that work for the A's, and one was just, I just received, I won't tell you who it's from, just went, yikes. This is a crazy day in Major League Baseball history. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com joins us here on A's Cast Live. What were your first thoughts when you saw that Jim Crane, not only are, are, are Luno and Hinch suspended, and then that Jim Crane, the owner, took it a step forward and fired them both. Hey, what's up, Tony? Yeah, um, I mean, that was certainly a shock. I mean, I think that's obviously the uh, I think the shockwave that everyone's kind of digesting right now here. Um, obviously, earlier in the day, you saw the uh, punishments that were handed down, which I think were, you know, about in line with what everyone was kind of projecting. Um you know, some you got some people thinking maybe it wasn't harsh enough. I, I think it was, you know, punishments were were about what, what I was expecting. But what Jim Crane handed down, he took it a step further. I mean, that that was huge. I mean, I think that more than anything sends kind of a message across baseball in terms of you know what could happen. I mean, there's only 30 of these jobs in the league, and you know, the precious and 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 to see an owner step in and actually fire uh, both their guys, um, I think it certainly sends a message. I, I certainly wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I was pretty shocked by that. But then again, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You don't want to have this lame duck thing hanging over your organization as you still feel that you're a team that can compete for a World Series. And by just saying, okay, we're parting ways with these guys now, you know, at some point you won't have to deal with this anymore. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think probably, you like you said, you want to distance yourself from this type of thing. Maybe, you know, I don't know how, how far – uh, they'll go in terms of cleaning house and then bringing in a new, whole new system. Um, I don't know how many if there'll be any more moves after this. I'm sure there there might be, um, but um, this is certainly a, uh, in terms of you know wanting to kind of start fresh. I mean, you're, you're starting all over again, trying to trying to put this thing in the rearview mirror as quickly as possible with that move. 
Yeah, and the one thing I, I and I I'm going to ask you, and I know we we just don't know is is what's the effect going to be on the 2020 roster? How does this affect the team? I think it's got it's. There's going to be a, a you know a cloud hanging over them. Uh, you know, as, as much as you know that like they're trying to you know distance themselves from this thing. There's no doubt that you know players are going to be affected by this. They're going to be thinking about this thing a little bit. Um, and you know teams coming in opposing teams i mean they got they got kind of a target on their back they've always had it before but even now i think even more so you're going to see that a little bit more and uh um to to think that uh, players can go into the next season and not be affected by it, i think it's just crazy i think it's just human nature these guys are going to be thinking about it um i mean we'll see to what to what degree it is i mean i i don't I mean, they, as it is, they've lost players, and and I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Now you got this thing over their heads, um, bringing a new manager and everything. Um, it's I, I don't know. I was to what like like I said, will they still be a good team? Will they still make the playoffs? Probably, um, but to expect them to be that 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 well you know that well tuned machine that's winning 100 games and then just you know sweeping everybody. I don't I don't think. I think those days are kind of over now. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of handle this whole thing. Yeah, and then you got the guy who's the mastermind of it, and Alex Cora, who's mentioned more than anybody else in this report. You got to think he's going down in Boston. And then now, you know, you're talking two of the top teams, the Red Sox and the Astros. You know, this 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 really could alter the course of the American League next this this upcoming season. Yeah, you know that Red Sox thing is a whole different animal. I mean, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen there. Cora's Cora, what's going to happen to Cora? Maybe even worse than Hinch. I mean, for sure. I mean, if if what we're reading in this uh, OMLB investigation is you know up to date, um, you know it's going to be pretty bad there. And obviously, there's going to be a distraction there with that thing. Who knows how long that that's going to take to play out? Um, but obviously, there's going to be a cloud over that as well. Um, like you said, yeah, it, the American League does it does change things a lot. I mean, these are two marquee teams who are being going to be going to be handed down. One's already been handed down punishment. The other one, still waiting. But um, there's you can expect something big to happen there. So and we'll see how it goes there. But certainly, it'll be an interesting season next year to see what happens. Yeah, the commissioner really needed to step his game up because after 2017, and then we had the Apple Watch scandal with the Red Sox where he comes out and the Red Sox have promised me they will never do something like this again, and then they do. Plus, Manfred sent out a like a three-page memo about, hey, you better not be cheating. And you got these teams that are blatantly cheating, and the Astros are even claiming, hey, listen, there's, 78, there's seven to eight other teams that are doing this too. So it's like the commissioner has to show some backbone here or he's going to look, he's going to look soft. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think he, I think to be fair, he did do it with with the Astros thing. I mean, it, it was a pretty, I think, a steep punishment. Um, like I said, some people think it could have been more. I, I don't know. Um, I think it was it was around what we all expected. But um, you know, this was the first step for a first move in, in terms of addressing this thing. I think it was it was a good move. We'll see we'll see how he goes with the Red Sox thing. But yeah, I mean, to to think there isn't more teams out there. I mean, there, there you know there's more teams out there. I mean, I think it's just. Uh, a matter of kind of, you know, going deeper into this thing and, and the investigation and, and seeing what you find. And I think we're going to see um, here in the coming year um, a little more come out of exactly 
you know, how, how far this thing goes, um, which I think, like I said, there's going to be, it's not just the Red Sox and the Astros. There's probably more teams involved in this thing from the way the, uh, everything sounds from what, what people have been saying and, and the investigations and all that. Well, for the A's, they made a deal today. They acquired Tony Kemp, who was with the Astros and the Cubbies last year. I mean, the numbers are not going to do anything for you. Hit two twenty-seven for the Astros, then then traded to the Cubs and hit a buck eighty-three in forty-four games. Uh, when you look at second base, if you if you had to handicap it, who do you think is going to be the second baseman for the Oakland Athletics this year? Um, you know, that's, you know, this thing kind of stumbles it a little more, right? I mean, they've got so many guys there and not, not one guy sticks out really. Um, right now, I still think they lean towards giving Barreto a shot. And I think if Barreto, um, doesn't you know, just completely, you know, go off in a bad way in, in spring training, hit like 180 or something, I think you see Barreto start the year as a second baseman. I think, uh, what this really does, what this really does more is kind of, puts a competition in place with uh, Tony Kemp, who's out of options, and they got, you know, the Rule 5 draft guy, VML Machine, who's been going off in Puerto Rican League. Um, only one of those guys is probably going to be able to make this team, so either they'll have to return Machine to the Cubs or Tony Kemp, you know, is out of options. They'd have to put him on waivers if he didn't make it, so I think one of those guys makes it there. I think in terms of the second base job, you still got Mateo and Noisy and Barreto in the mix, but I think it's really Barreto and Mateo since they're both out of options. And there's really it's it'll be tough to to get both Barreto and Mateo onto this team. You know, you could say you know maybe Mateo makes it as a utility guy, but you've got guys like Kemp now, and you've got Chad Pinder. So um, you know, we'll see how how that competition goes. I think it may come down to Barreto and Mateo. But right now, if I had to handicap it, I'd say Barreto. Yeah, and you got the extra roster spot coming your way with 26 guys now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. The A's roster is so right-handed heavy. I mean, you you got to get some left-handed bats in there. Um, you know, they they they've gotten by with it in the past with, with so many right-handed bats. But you know, you got you got to. I think they have like what one or two left-handed bats in there. Um, and one of them is probably Austin Allen if he makes the team as a backup catcher. So, I mean, not a lot of a lot of left-handed hitting there, which at some point in the season you need a little bit more of. So, I mean, I guess Kemp does give them that a little bit more. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, the numbers weren't great last year, but um, he's He's still relatively young, um, and, he, and he's had a lot of success in the minors. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he brings here. Um, see if he makes a team. Like I said, it still might be a little bit of competition there. But um, you know, I think it's more just kind of trying to add some left-handed bats there. Yeah, and then uh, any other kind of battles you're looking forward to in uh, spring training? I mean, I think everyone's going to be looking at that that second base spot. I mean, I think it's, it's really going to be interesting. I mean, I think Mateo is is a guy. Ooh. I mean, every year he goes off in spring training, so it's kind of like the Barreto situation. And if and if they lose him and and he and he goes somewhere else, that'll be interesting to see. Um, he strikes me as the type of guy who, if he gets that shot in the big leagues, I think you could see him kind of either not do well or go off and go crazy. It's going to be one or the other. So whether it's with the A's or someone else, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, most of the positions are pretty much set, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of competition there. I mean, the starting rotation you could pretty much pencil in right now. Um, the the bullpen will be interesting just to see who makes the club because right now it seems like they could add a couple more relievers, but it doesn't seem like they've made a whole lot of traction on, on any moves that I've heard of. Uh, I'm sure they 
they'll probably bring in some maybe veteran guys, you know, towards spring training who are without teams, maybe to kind of bring in on maybe minor league deals or, or really cheap deals. Um, but I think they're going to have to have one or two guys who were, were in the minors last year or, or got, you know, some chances later in the season to step up here and, and kind of fill those roles in the bullpen. Because I know it seems like they have some a few open spots that are kind of waiting to be filled and, and see who performs on spring training and kind of, you know, grabs hold of them. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody in the American League West, they got their eyes open now because the Astros seem very vulnerable. This is going to be a very interesting 2020 season, whether you're the A's, you're the Rangers, you're the Angels. I don't think the uh, Mariners are, are going to try and compete, but uh, wouldn't you say now it, it's wide open? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you look at the A's the last two years, um, you know, they've, they've been the one team right behind the Astros on their tail. Uh, if there's anyone who stands to benefit more from this, I mean, the Angels, yeah, they got better with, you know, Rendon, but uh, that starting rotation is still kind of a – you don't feel great about it. I mean, I think that's always been the problem with the Angels, it seems like, for a decade or so. Um, Rangers got better as well. I mean, it's not going to be an easy division, you know, regardless of how the Astros do. I mean, all those teams have those, – both those teams have improved, but – I mean, if you're looking at one team to kind of slot in there and overtake the Astros in terms of being the top dog, I mean, the A's got the roster from top to bottom, I think, most you know well-rounded in terms of pitching and offense, defense. Um, I think they're right behind the Astros in terms of being the best team in the division, even with moves that the other two teams have made. Hey, good stuff. We always appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you at FanFest. Sounds good, Tony. I'll see you there. Martin Gallegos, MLB.com. Yes, FanFest, January 25th. And as we've told you, single-game tickets will go on sale. You go to athletics.com slash tickets. I mean, that's, that's, that's next weekend. Wow. Can you imagine? So we are getting uh, we're, we're getting somebody from uh, around the Astros, Commander? We're going to get a... I guess now he could be he's considered friend of the program. Matt Thomas, who does Astros pre and post for KBME, the Astros flagship station down in Houston, Sports Talk seven ninety, will be joining us at two fifteen. He's actually on the road right now with the Houston Rockets because he does play by play for them for the road game. So he's going to come on and he's been around the Astros for years, and uh, he'll give us the reaction to the Astros side of things. Well, what's going on down there? Normally at this time of the year, I just went to ESPN.com. Normally, it's all football. We got a national championship game today. I completely forgot that was even happening tonight because it's been we three got weeks LSU, since they played. LSU, Clemson. You've got teams moving on to the to 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 the championship games. You, you got a team right up the street from us that's in a game. And and right now, you go to ESPN.com. Breaking news: Astros Luno and Hinch fired after MLB gives ban. Uh, very strategic to me. I, when this first came out, I said this is very strategic by Major League Baseball to release this around the time they did the Monday after the games le- leading up to Championship Sunday for the NFL. Yeah, really smart to grab that. You know, grab some headlines because you know the NFL does this all the time. Something can go on during baseball season or the NBA, and boom, bombshell. Of what the Patriots, hey, or what the NFL, hey, uh, Antonio Brown traded to the Raiders. That's the biggest story going on forever. Brown cut by the Raiders, biggest how, story going on. How bad does this make? the NFL look because you essentially have allowed the Patriots to get away with, with, with cheating 
and you know, oh, you fine Belichick. Oh, you did that. You did. You know, oh, you suspended Brady. Look what they did to these guys. Look what they look what they did to Sean Payton and the the, yeah. the Saints with uh, Bounty Gate. Yeah, and the Patriots have been notorious for different things, and they got Patriots got, got popped the again. They got a in, slap on the wrist in Cincinnati taping. I mean, baseball. I mean, Manfred. Once again, friend of the program, Rob Manfred. People forget he was wild card game, friend of the program with the great Alan Bernstein with us. That's Roxy for everyone who doesn't know who that is. And he was tested here. You can't, as a leader, send out memos to all 30 teams saying, don't cheat, stop what you're doing, and then the teams keep doing it, and you don't come down harsh on them. You should text uh, Julian McWilliams of the Boston Globe, who covers a friend of ours who used to work around the A's for the Athletic, just text him and see what 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 what's he thinking. Because I'm not going to be shocked. What do we got? Two hours? Yeah, a little over two hours. I'm not going to be well. That'll be seven o'clock there. Probably the Red Sox are not going to do anything until. I'd see. I'd say when until the investigation. Over. Yeah. So, but. If you want to get ahead of this thing, I mean, right now the Red Sox could announce, hey, listen, uh, we are uh, a leave of absence right now for our manager, Alex Cora. You could do that and say he's going to be on a leave of absence until Major League Baseball comes up with their findings because obviously they know they were cheating. They're getting investigated by the league. He's done. You can't be mentioned 11 times in this investigation. And we're talking about Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox. He's mentioned more than anybody in the investigation. More desirable job, the Astros or the Red Sox, if something happens with Cora. More desirable job for a manager going into this season. I would still say the Astros. Agree. Because... Talk about Heim Bloom. God, you're taking over a mess. Can you imagine? You got this cushy job with the Rays. It's not an easy job, but it's a cushy job. Like, you're not getting fired. Expectations are, A, we're going to do everything we can as the Tampa Bay Rays. We're going to do everything we can to win, but we don't got a ton of money. Our stadium stinks. But if we're competitive, I got a job, and people think I'm brilliant. That's Heim Bloom until he takes the big swing and says, you know what, big market job. You know, I'm going to try and turn things around a little bit when it comes to their finances and their front office. And then you're Heim Bloom. You haven't even... You haven't even had one game yet. You may have to fire your manager. And you may have to trade your best player. You think Hein Bloom thought about all that before he took the job? Where he left his cushy job with the Rays to now take over the gig for the Boston Red Sox. 
if you suspend A.J. Hinch for a year, and it sounds almost like A.J. wasn't really keen to all this, like wasn't hip with it, if he smashed these screens and was pissed about these screens before, what are they going to do to Alex Cora? I mean, that, that, if A.J. Hinch loses his gig, there's, I, I can't imagine there's any way Alex Cora is going to be managing the Boston Red Sox by the start of spring training. What do you do if you're Hein Bloom? I mean, if you're Hein Bloom and you know this cloud is now over you, do you even want Cora going to spring training? Knowing that something's coming down. If I'm him, no. And it's hard to justify. But there's legalities to it. We're not lawyers. So, yeah. I mean, Alex Cora obviously has a contract. I don't know the language of the contract. But, I mean, clearly, if you think something's going to happen, like, because who was it? Was it Verducci or was one of the guys on MLB Network talked about this week? A.J. Hinch, like on Wednesday or something, had a meeting scheduled with his staff to start setting up spring training. Yeah, it was Verducci said that. Was it Verducci? Yeah. yeah. It was like Wednesday. They had a staff meeting planned to talk about what's going on in the spring training. That was before Hinch got fired. That was when he was suspended. He couldn't meet up. He couldn't meet with any of his coaches. Well, now they're even a bigger mess because, they don't, I mean, I guess if it's true that um, Joe Espada reportedly is going to be the manager, inter manager for now, who's on the staff, then, you know, you got a guy that, that worked under A.J. That's great, but. I mean that's that's a that's a nightmare. And if, if I'm high in bloom, just a straight baseball move, you have to. I I don't want that cloud hanging over the Red Sox or an organization like the Red Sox who have, you know, when you think of the you know the power base powerhouse baseball teams, the as a casual fan, they're going to name the Red Sox probably in the top four, and you can't have a manager who's you know indicted on this stuff allegedly, until and, and you don't want that hanging over you going into spring training. So look at this on Twitter, some guys. This is funny. Trying to listen to, trying to listen, but Townie is so uninformed and jealous of the Patriots. It's hilarious. He's worked for a franchise that wrote the book on cheating in the 70s. Guess at Townsend Radio is just tired of covering third-rate franchises. Can the Raiders please take you to Vegas also? Yeah, I'm the guy, I'm the only guy calling out the Patriots. I'm the only guy out there, really, Ricky. The entire sports world has called out the Patriots. They've cheated multiple times. They're about to get in trouble again, again. It's unbelievable. Tom Brady was suspended. Did I suspend Tom Brady? Did I find Bill Belichick? What Belichick get fined? Like five hundred grand? Did I do that? No, the NFL did that. I'm uninformed. What am I uninformed about? Tom Brady got suspended, right? They've lost draft picks. They've been fined. They've gotten caught multiple times. They just got caught in Cincinnati, Ricky. I'm uninformed. How? That's not my opinion. I did not give an opinion on them getting in trouble in Cincinnati. Did I do that? 
no, I believe it was all over the internet. Um, and am I making look. that up? No, it's uh, true. I'm uninformed. How am I uninformed? They got they're they're they're, they're getting disciplined as we speak again. They were uh, no. There's not one team, Ricky. There's 32 teams in the National Football League. All 31 teams don't like what the Patriots have been doing. 31. I travel the country. Okay? I go from town to town. I can tell you there's not one team that likes them. They all know they've been cheating. And this is only what they've been caught doing. That's, a, that's See, this is the thing that people don't understand is when you think I'm uninformed, uh, if you think these are the only times these teams have cheated, this is what they haven't gotten away with. Because what happens is if you do this and you're successful, this is like a drug. You can't stop it. Why do you think so many of these ex-Astros players were like, I don't want to talk? They do not they do not want to have this on their hands. They want to walk away and not have to deal with this. You're talking about two teams that won the World Series have been caught cheating. And the Patriots, they've won Super Bowls cheating. So before you come after me on Twitter, which I think is hilarious, when teams get suspended, they've been caught. That's not uninformed. That's not jealousy. That's just facts. When your league, whether it's the NFL or or Major League Baseball, comes down on you and has discipline, that's not jealousy. That's not uninformed. That's real. You're a cheater, and it taints who you are. Coming up next, what do we got? We are we are we got who do we have coming up here? Matt Thomas, uh, the Astros pre and post will be two fifteen. Okay, two fifteen. Yeah, he's basically me in Houston. He also does, uh, I want to say, some play-by-play for the Rockets. He's on the road right now doing Rockets play-by-play in Memphis. He also does the, uh, we mentioned this last time we had him on, he's the home public address announcer at home that did the infamous uh, 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 intros for the Warriors. I was like, and starting point guard for the Warriors, Steph Curry, and head coach, Steve Kerr. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wild day in Major League Baseball, and we got you covered right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, one of our connections in Boston has just got back to us. They think Alex Cora's toast. I mean, this is a historic time in Major League Baseball. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Don't forget, you own a business, you got a bunch of buddies, and you want to get a suite. A's suite plans are sweet. 
They're incredible. Great pricing. Go check out Sweets right now, athletics.com slash sweets. That's athletics.com slash sweets. You get a sweet, you get a sweet package, you're going to get a lot of perks. Like some of them, you can actually take some BP on the field. Uh, some of them, you can actually watch batting practice before the game. I mean, there is a lot of There's parking. There's A's access where you get all the deals on merchandise and concessions. So whether you want to rent it out as a company or you want to get, like, buddies together and families together for, like, firework night, I mean, it, it's these are some smoking deals. Go to athletics.com slash sweets. MLB Network has been covering this thing ever since the – the bombshell broke. They must have been tipped off because I, you, you got Bob Costas in studio. You got all the heavy hitters. So they, they, they had to have known this was coming down. But the question is now, okay, what do you do if you're baseball with all of these monitors and cameras and what do you do? How do you keep these guys from doing this again? Now, obviously, after these suspensions, you got to be crazy. You're truly, you know, you're truly messing with your livelihood if you're going to do something like this. Because now that the that now that this stuff has come down, if you're in 2020 and you're still trying to steal signs and do this kind of stuff, you're an idiot. So, but they're talking about whether how much can players should be able to go back into the clubhouse? How much players should be able to go look at video during the game? You know, some some players want to go up and they want to look at their last at-bat or they want to look at a pitcher. But, you know, the answer was like, well, you should do all that before the game. Like, get to a point to where there's only one monitor on inside the clubhouse and where Major League Baseball is already policing that and players can't go back into the clubhouse and look at video. Need to take all that stuff away. Are they going to do this? I don't know. You know, when this first came down to us, you know, I was talking about how, like, the green dot helmet in football – where one guy on offense, one guy on defense, and you can talk to that guy up until, what is it, 15 seconds on the clock. You know, do you put like a little mic? I know they've they've tried this in the minor leagues. Pitchers didn't like it, but, you know, at some point you got to get used to it. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get used to anything that they change. But having like a little microphone and the catcher having a little microphone and that way they can talk to each other, and now you don't have signs. But the paranoia is real. And the fact that you got teams that are using signs and changing signs when there's not even runners on base tells you how paranoid these teams have gotten. And the paranoia is not good for the sport. And even Bob Costas said it, you know, you got to keep this from being professional wrestling. 
And that's not what you that's not what you want. That's not good for your game. And it's a shame that 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 we have to talk about this today because ESPN came out with their top 10 teams and we were wondering where the A's were going to be. Is this an order? So, top 10 teams for Buster Olney as we've been following is his top 10. He's been doing every position. Yankees 1, Dodgers 2, Rays 3, Astros 4, Nationals 5, Bray, uh, the Athletics 6th, Braves 7, Cardinals 8, Twins 9, and the Mets 10. I'm surprised he didn't have the Red Sox in here. I wonder, with all the people who are putting together all these, you know, these lists these days, how much their lists are going to change because of the firings. I mean, are, are, are anybody going to drop the, I mean, they've dropped the Red Sox from top tens. But if it, if it is inevitable that Alex Cora is going to be fired and the Astros have already lost their manager and their, and their head of baseball ops, how is that going to affect these teams in 2020? And then how about all the baseball magazines, the preview magazines that we love to get? Are they already in print? And this won't even even be in these, uh, you know, Athlon and all these different ones, Streets and Smith, and they all do these. These uh, I love them. They got great. They got great nuggets in them. But I wonder if those are already printed, and this this stuff won't even make the baseball preview magazines. I think there'll be a retraction if that happens. I think that you, you have to have this in there. I think we still got time. The spring training still what a month and about a month away. I think I think pitchers and catchers report for the A's on, on uh, February twelfth, so we're about a month like about a month away. Baseball kind of did the Astros a favor by having it, you know, because this this would have happened right before spring training. At least you have, and that's probably something with the Red Sox that they would like to get ahead of this soon, because you don't want something like this breaking right before spring training. Spring training is always the time of hope. Spring training is like you know, hey, look. We got a sh- everybody's got a shot in spring training. Not anymore with so many different teams that are tanking, but for the most part if you're if you're somewhat good, you have hope. You can sell hope in spring training. But if you dropped a bombshell like this right before spring, what this would do to your to your franchise? That's why since the report's out, that's why I just I know they're investigating the Red Sox. It's just with this report out, knowing what you know about Alex Cora as an Astro, and now what's being accused as a Red Sox, how long do you want this hanging over your franchise? And if your Red Sox ownership Look how fast Jim Crane, Jim Crane, look how fast Jim Crane reacted to this. Do we have Jim Crane? Here is the owner of the Houston Astros. Today is a very difficult day for the Houston Astros. 
MLB did a very thorough investigation and the Astros fully cooperated. Um, we accept their decisions and findings and penalties. We work very hard to build this organization for our employees, fans, sponsors, community, and the city to all be proud. With that being said, there's two very important points I want to make today. I've, I have higher standards for the city and the franchise, and I'm going above and beyond MLB's penalty. Today, I have made the decision to dismiss A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau. We need to move forward with a clean slate, and the Astros will become stronger, a stronger organization because of this today. You can be confident that we will always do the right thing and will not have this happen again on my watch. Well... That was from MLB Network earlier today. Jeff Passan of ESPN has put out there, Red Sox manager Alex Cora is expected to receive a harsh penalty for his role in the Houston Astros 2017 sign-stealing scandal. Cora served as Astros bench coach during the team's championship run that year. The Houston Astros dismissed manager A.J. Hinch and GM Jeff Lunau after Major League Baseball imposed one-year suspensions on both early Monday over the team's sign-stealing. I mean, two managers, two successful managers, one for sure fired, and it looks inevitable that Alex Cora will not be the manager of the Boston Red Sox for much longer. Unprecedented. Unbelievable. And I wonder how many people are running scared right now. Because when Major League Baseball sits down with Astros employees and they start talking and they start saying, hey, listen, this is all just us. These They started giving out teams. Hey, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it. I mean, hope to God, you know, nothing's going on with the green and gold. But I wonder how many people right now are running scared. Joel Sherman, Manfred did not issue permanent bans of Luno and Hinch, but with his firing, I wonder... Just what team would hire, especially Luno, again? They ruffled a lot of feathers in this game. Remember how people are saying, oh, that's such an Astros move when they talked about the the whole thing with domestic violence and how Brandon Taubman reacted to, to those women who were obviously against the trade? They said it's such an Astros thing. So it's been around now for a while that things have just not been good in Houston and very unprofessional. Just because you look like you're the smartest guy in the room doesn't always mean you are the smartest guy in the room. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. 
All right, so we're uh, monitoring Twitter. Buster Only has just tweeted out about the $5 million fine. That's more than offset by Luno and Hinch's salaries that won't be paid. Lots of grumbling in-game that Houston should have been hit harder. Houston at back of the draft order next two years anyway. No international money taken away. Now, guys losing jobs is pretty is pretty pretty harsh. Now remember that was on Jim Crane. But people in the game, according to Buster Olney, think Houston should have been hit harder. Uh, he got hit pretty hard. And Matt Thomas joins us once again. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're on the road with the Rockets, but uh, as someone that's uh, around this team on a daily basis, just how shocked were you by these uh, by these bans that or, or these suspensions, and then Jim Crane ultimately firing his GM and his manager? Well, you know, I didn't want to go on my radio show and guess, you know, play a game called Guess a Suspension. So that would have just been odd. Uh, I pegged Jeff to miss a year. I pegged AJ to probably miss at least 80, if not 100 games. So when the original came down of a year each, I was obviously uh, way more surprised on AJ's suspension. And then when uh, Jim had his press conference a couple of hours ago to announce him being released, uh, beyond shocked. Uh, You're going to realize this is going to be a massive overhaul of this organization. Reed Ryan was his lead business guy. He is no longer with the team. So you have to replace a business guy. His son's going to do that, it sounds like. You have to get a new baseball tops man. You have to get a good field manager. And then, you know, you have the Garrett Cole departure. Uh, You've seen Will Harris, who was fantastic for this baseball team, get moved as well or, you know, in free agency. So there is a a strange aura not only around uh, the baseball team but really the entire city because we have had – three straight 100-win seasons, unprecedented baseball success in the city of Houston. Yeah, there is no doubt about it, and that's always the question that we won't know until it happens is, how does all of this affect the players? Well, you know, my partner on my radio show and I debate this. and he says, Look, these guys, you know, George Springer's still a premier leadoff guy. Jose Altuve is MVP. You've still got Justin Verlander pitching every fifth day. And that while all of that is true, as you know, baseball players are creatures of habit. Uh, they have a same routine every single day, whether it's in spring training, whether it's during the season, home or road. And um, it's going to be the question is going to be how long will it take for them to adhere to, understand, comprehend, and match with the new leadership group, whether it's uh, on the field or in the front office. And so, um, my first initial thought is. It's going to be a very, very strange time for all those guys because they don't know what to say. They don't want to incriminate themselves, perhaps even more than maybe they already have. It's going to be probably the oddest year uh, of covering a team that is coming off of literally being one game away from winning a World Series. Uh, it's, this is, and, and then you got Alex Cora, who he looks like dead man walking in Boston now. Yeah, he he does. He needs to put up a four sale sign. There's no way he survives this either, right? 
I mean, if you're going to go after Hinch, who supposedly smashed screens and didn't necessarily go along with this, if you're going to give him a year, what do you do to a guy that did it in Houston and in Boston? And correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I, I saw a tweet, so you know I don't always consider it the gospel. Did Mike Elias from the Baltimore Orioles get suspended a year as well? Is that true? I have not seen that. We'll, we'll, uh, I, got, okay. I got my producer checking on that right now. I, you know, I understand why Jim Crank gets out in front of this and fires them because you want to try and separate yourself from this as fast as possible. It's got right. it, it got me wondering, you know, because a couple people brought up, hey, maybe you call Bruce Bochy. Do, do, you, do you change the entire staff before spring, spring training and start anew? I, I, Chris, I don't know. I've never been around this. I don't know what you're supposed to do. All I know is you lost. And by the way, I forgot to mention Brandon Tomlin, you know, Jeff's top guy for all the things that he had said after the American League Championship celebration. So, I mean, you, I mean Jim Crane would have the better answer to that because let me tell you, he started up lots of businesses in his life in logistics, and he knows how to start something from the ground floor. It's just he's never had to worry about something so public like this, especially after, you know, Usually when you clean house, let's be honest, it's because teams have lost 100-plus games. There have been, there's been problems with the books being cooked. Um, apathy kicks in. This is a thriving franchise that, as I said, won three 100-straight games within an, a game of winning their second World Series in three years, uh, draw nearly 3 million people to their stadium. Uh, everybody's bumping around town wearing Astros gear, even in the offseason. I, I don't know. I, you're not supposed to go on a radio interview and not be able to provide analysis. I can't because I don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, we, there's no playbook for this. So, I, of course, we don't know. And I think, you know, for A.J. Hinch, who's who's well-liked in this game, if he gets sure. if he gets out in front of this and does a press conference, I think he's got a shot to be a manager again. Luno isn't a guy that likes to get out in front of things. Obviously, we saw what happened during the uh, playoffs. Uh, what do you think his future will be like? Well, we were talking about that on the plane to Memphis uh, today. I am almost 100% assured that A.J. will manage again, uh, especially because if you, put him, if you put yourself in his shoes, while, again, you shouldn't condone it, you know, there have been things that people have done in, in your in, with your boss in place of business that you don't, don't necessarily condone, but you have to kind of live with. And I, I don't know if that's really the, the easy way to, to describe that, but it wasn't like A.J. was out in front walking into the clubhouse, shutting the door and saying, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do for you to do, help you gain a competitive advantage. So he is so highly regarded, so well thought of around the baseball game, not only for his managerial skills, but, you know, he's got an analytical approach. He had spent some time with the Padres for an office. You know, obviously the Stanford pedigree is very good too. Um, yeah, he he makes it. As for Jeff, I don't know. I, I don't. I I don't. You know, the the term toxic was brought up in conversation about how the environment around the front office is, and I, and I don't know if that if that's Jeff's fault or not. But uh, my guess is, you know, from a building of a franchise from scratch, you absolutely hire Jeff Leno. Uh, but do you believe that the way in which the organization was built and how it was built with obviously a lot of different people with a lot of grudges down the road using this as a as an, as way to indict the Astros, I can't give you an answer on that. I, I like Jeff. I thank him for his time in Houston. Remember, we're talking about 100 lost seasons after another with 10,000 people in the stadium and, and baseball hitting an all-time uh, low in terms of fan base, and he literally – 
built it from scratch. So I hope both get an opportunity. I would just say if I was a betting man that AJ is probably back wearing a uniform a lot faster than Jeff's in a general manager's front office. And one thing out of this investigation, as you know, you cover Major League Baseball, so do I. We love the game. Is when Astros people are saying, wait a minute. We're not the only ones doing this. And they, you know, they were like, there's like seven to eight teams out there. They're doing just what we're doing. That's got to scare you if you're Major League Baseball. I mean, that's like a 30-year sport. Well, uh, yeah, because, and, and, and to tell you honestly, if this is happening uh, in other places, then they need to be exposed. And they also need to face the same sort of punishment that the Astros have been facing, you know. I don't think you use this as, well, let's use the Astros to make sure no one does it again. My guess is this is just round one of it. Um, not to point fingers, but, you know, you, since you asked, clearly Corda's situation in Boston is very murky. Uh, w- how much did Carlos Beltran, you know, do and, and was involved with this here when he was a member of the team during that 17 World Series run? It, it, is that going to impact his future? I mentioned Mike Elias in Baltimore. I mean, there is a, a, the Astros tree – is you know because when you when you have success, people like to poach players and team and front office people for me. So yeah, I would think if I if I'm Major League Baseball, I am doing a thorough check of anybody. First of all, anybody that's involved in baseball should be checked. But secondly, anybody that has any sort of ties to the organization, especially when they were, when these things were happening. Well, it's been a rough 24 hours for for Houston sports after blowing oh. that <laughs> blowing that lead yesterday. I mean, I for doing talk radio. I mean, what what's it like in Houston right now? I mean, you've had just two bombshells dropped on you. So, let me just paint the picture for your audience. I do a show from noon to three, and our flight today to Memphis was at two o'clock. So I didn't. I had my partner fill in the last hour and plus of the show. So the first hour of our show, we just sat there and bemoaned how awful the Texans' performance was yesterday and what needs to change there. And then uh, the bombshell comes out that uh, that A.J. had been suspended. We, I didn't even know they had been fired until I was, you know, above 10,000 feet when I could check the Internet. So that was a double, a triple doozy of effect. And I guess the kind of the running joke here in, in Houston is, so A.J. Hinch and Jeff Leno lose their jobs, yet Bill O'Brien, the coach of the Texans, keep, still has his. So it's uh, <laughs> been a quite uh, – very, very peculiar 12 hours here in the city of Houston. Hey, but your Rockets, you're, you're, you're in this thing. Well, you know what I'm doing right now. Things happen in threes. I'm bubble wrapping Russell Westbrook and James Harden, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, good luck to you on the road with the Rockets. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be reaching out as uh, we find out more about what's going on with this investigation. But we'll always thank you for your time. Call anytime. Take care now. Ah, he does a good job, Matt Thomas. Astros pre and post has his own talk show, play-by-play for the Rockets. I mean, just think about it. You, you, can you imagine Bean and Melvin being out? I mean, all these years, whether it was Sabian Bochy, it's just it's it's a bombshell. And he's right. This should just not be the Astros. People have been accusing other teams, Brewers, uh, people have been accusing other teams of doing this for a while. If if these guys are going to fall, they all should fall. They all should fall. Do we have uh, – so our friend of the program, Trevor Bauer, pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, on uh, his Twitter account, at Bauer Outage, just, just put up a clip 
of A.J. Hinch. This is what Trevor Bauer put out on Twitter just a little bit ago. You know, honestly, I roll my eyes at it, but I, I do think probably people need to sweep their own front porch and deal with their own, their own situations or more than throw allegations around that are uh, unfounded. So I don't know if it's a personal vendetta um, or if he's got a problem with things. I know, you know, sometimes Twitter considers itself the police of the world. So there's A.J. Hinch during the playoffs. Well, that was actually, I think what this, there's not a lot of context given from Bauer on Twitter, but I think I know what he's alluding to. This is back whenever Bauer first alleged that there was something going on with the Astros, and I think that was that was Hinch's response. Like that's what he says. He has, there's a personal vendetta, and Twitter can you know people use Twitter for it, and I think that's what it's from. And I, cause I remember Bauer calling them out for it, and there was a huge back totally. And forth. He was in Cleveland at the time. Yeah, him and I think him and Bregman got into it on Twitter, and that was a great battle. Well, and then, he and uh, and Garrett Cole don't get along, and they were teammates at UCLA. Teammates at UCLA, and they're 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 not boys. Bob Nightingale has put out. A dark day in Major League Baseball history. Houston Astros, cheating scandal, taints baseball, ruins club's legacy. Yeah, I mean, this run by the Astros, as Matt was just saying, look at all these 100-win seasons, look at the success, and it's all flushed down the toilet. They're now going to be just looked at as cheaters. Takes you a long time to build up credibility. And it can take one incident to ruin it all. The Houston Astros went from being on an unbelievable run to now just being looked at as cheaters. And they earned it. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we got the sneak peek for 2020. Opening day, March 26th, Magnetic A's Schedule Giveaway. Got a Chris Davis giveaway on May 2nd, which is a Saturday. Want to pack the house on May 23rd, Dave Stewart retirement. They retire his Stu's jersey, number 34, which is a wonderful move. Truly one of the greatest big game pitchers of his era. You know, normally it was just guys in the Hall of Fame, but Dave Stewart's in the A's Hall of Fame. Marcus Simeon, a giveaway June 20th. It's a really cool giveaway, by the way. Saturday, June 20th. Got a bunch of fireworks, fireworks on July 3rd, fireworks on July 18th, fireworks on August 22nd, and fireworks on September 19th. Go to athletics.com slash tickets. You want me to read you Jeffrey Luno's response? Uh Yes. No, no, we both have done that with the computer. So here's Jeffrey Luno's first response to today's news that he was fired by the Houston Astros and owner Jim Crane. I accept responsibility for the rules violations that occurred on my watch as president of baseball operations and general manager of the Astros. I apologize to the Astros organization, Astros fans, and the Houston community for the shame and embarrassment this has caused. 
I am deeply, deeply grateful to Jim Crane for the opportunity to lead baseball operations. I am not a cheater. Anybody who has worked closely with me during my 32-year career inside and outside baseball can attest to my integrity. I did not know the rules were being broken. As the commissioner set out in the statement, I did not personally direct, oversee, or engage in any misconduct. The sign-stealing initiative was not planned or directed by baseball management. The trash can banging was driven and executed by players, and the video decoding of signs originated and was executed by lower-level employees working with the bench coach. I'm deeply upset that I wasn't informed of any misconduct because I would have stopped it. I agree with Mr. Crane that our baseball operations team has achieved far more positives beyond this significant negative. Many, many very good people have worked and continue to work for the Astros organization. I'm extremely proud of the many executives throughout the industry who were trained and promoted in our department. Hmm. Again, I, another I, guy throwing Alex Cora under the bus. Alex Cora is done. <laughs> Alex Cora may get the, 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 the you're going bye bye. You're getting the ban. You know, you're. Uh, first of all, I don't buy that. And the reason why I don't buy that is you can't be the master of your domain. You can't run the show the way he ran the show and then go, oh, I didn't know about it. These front offices want to run every single thing about baseball operations. So to play, I didn't know about it. Knowing with knowing how he ran his organization, you read Astro Ball. You know how much Jeffrey Leno ran everything with the Houston Astros. Everything. He had his fingers... He had his imprints on everything in the organization, and you're going to tell me I didn't know. Yeah, the part where he goes, "I am not a cheater." Um, that I mean, and there's that whole that whole paragraph right here he talks about and how he didn't know, and pretty much blaming Alex Cora and lower level employees and players for the lower trash level employees. Really, Jeff? But it, that's that, that's him. His th- this is him trying to save face and trying to be able to get another job, which. Ultimately, I think he will, but not. I mean, not in a couple. You know, it'll be a couple of years, but he'll get another job. There'll be a team that'll hire him. But there are guys. There are team. There are guys that are employed that he trained that are GMs in baseball right now. David Stearns in Milwaukee, uh, Uncle Mike, Uncle Mike Elias in in Baltimore. And not then, really my uncle. And there's some rumors out on Twitter that he might be in trouble. Yeah, that's what people are saying. We I, haven't seen it directly, but the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, who came from Houston. And that's the thing where Matt Thomas, who does Astros, and we just had on, he's right. If anybody else had a part in this, whether you're doing it with an organization now or you did it with the Astros, everybody should have to pay the price. You know, it just shouldn't be Luno, and it just shouldn't be Cora, and it just shouldn't be Hinch. I think the players... You know, for some reason or other, they're letting the players get off. Bill Plasky, L.A. Times, longtime columnist. Astros should vacate 2017 World Series title. Although Dodgers drought continues. Hey, the Dodgers have been a team that has been accused. The Yankees have been accused. Uh, Brewers have been. I mean, there, there's there's multiple teams out there. 
you know, whether it's true paranoia or they really are cheating. Paranoia is real. And I just think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people believe this is all going on. It's not good for the game. You know, we have these different eras. We have the steroid era. Now we have the juice ball era. Is this going to be part of the cheating era? It's one. It, it's it, here's the other thing too. It's one thing when it's Houston. You're gonna throw the Boston Red Sox in there. You're talking about you know Boston, New England, big market, big sports town, and the Red Sox. What Julian McWilliams, our buddy, tweet? One player on how cheating in MLB should be handled. Quote, if you get caught, got to pop a guy or a few and send that message the old school way. I imagine Astro hitters should wear football gear in the batter's box this season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're the A's, you got to be pissed, right? You win 97 games and it only gets you into a wild card game. 97, two years in a row. And who was the who was the who was the player that said uh, you had up there, Commander, who said you got to be kidding me? These guys have been cheating since 2014. What do you mean it's just 17? Uh, Logan Morrison, ex uh, Marlin prospect, Mariner, pretty much played for everyone. He had a he said something that um, a beat writer for the Yankees tweeted out that he accused the Astros going all the way back to 2014 with the bang in the trash can and. He also mentioned the Yankees. I think he said the Yankees and Dodgers in there, but he mainly accused the – he was saying that the he remembers it from 2014 with the Astros. That was back when the Astros were losing 100 games every year. Oh, wait, no, they were – no, they still were bad that year because I think that's the year Keiko won the Cy Young, but they were still bad. And then 2015 is when they, they – yeah, they 2015 they, they went to the playoffs. 2016 they missed it, then 2017 they so won the Hinch's, H- Hinch's first year was 2015. So, yeah, that would have been under Bo Porter, if that's true in 2014. Let me find that tweet, and I'll read it for you. Yeah. That's a long time. If you're going back to 2014, see, that's, that, that, that's where is, – is baseball have a little bit of a cover-up? That they don't want everybody to know how long this has really been going. Because it makes them look bad. Here's the tweet. Logan Morrison, who played with the Yankees AAA for a minute this year, just called Rob Manfred's report fake news. Ooh, hashtag fake news. Said that the Astros banging has been happening since 2014, that he knows from firsthand accounts that New York, the New York Yankees and the LA Dodgers have also used film to pick signs. Ooh. What are you going to do to the Dodgers? Are you going to do anything? Are you going to do anything to the Yankees? Well, we'll see what they do. This is well, a I mean, can you imagine Brian Cashman? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Yankees were involved in this. They were so, uh, you know, so adamant at what everything going on this year. I don't think that. But this is from a Yankees beat reporter um who's verified on Twitter, so I don't think he would just throw this out there to throw it out there. Um so, we'll see what happens if there's any credence to this Logan Morrison tweet or exchange that, he, that was tweeted out. 
Yeah. And do you what do you do about their World Series title? I mean, can't give back the rings. I don't think baseball wants to get into that precedent. All right, coming up here, we're going to have Dave Feldman. We're going to do we've been doing our series all year long for Green and Gold history. We've been doing our top 10 Oakland A's by position. Today, we're going to go top 10 closers all time in Oakland A's history as we'll break a little bit from this Astros talk and talk a little bit about the green and gold and its great history right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What a wild day in Major League Baseball. On a day when we're supposed to be talking about NFL playoffs, we're supposed to be talking about the national championship game tonight, which should be a good one. I mean, tremendous talent on both sides in Clemson and LSU. But, like, you go to ESPN.com, still the front page is Astros. And then below it is the national title game at 5 o'clock today. But baseball is dominating the scene right now. David Feldman, how are you? Welcome back to A's Cast Live. And what was your first reaction when you found out about what's going on with the Houston Astros? Hey, Tony. I, 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 when I saw the, the punishments given out, I thought, wow, that's really sending a message for anybody in the future who wants to cheat. I thought that was really strong. And then to see Lunau and Hinch get fired, uh, I was shocked by that. Uh, And you know whatever's going to happen to Alex Cora, something's coming for him because he is going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah, he's mentioned more than anybody else. And now that they're investigating two different – they did one investigation on Houston, now an investigation on Boston. I think the writing's on the wall there. He's in trouble. But let's get to it. Time now for a little green and gold history with Dave Feldman, our A's historian, as we continue our series on top 10, the best top 10 at each position. And today we go with the closers, top 10 Oakland A's closers of all time. And, you know, the closing position, a lot of it was defined by what happened in Oakland, right? You didn't really have that so-called one guy ending ball game until Raleigh Fingers took that mantle in the early 70s. And then that position was slowly changed with, with Dennis Eckersley in the late 80s, the way closers were used, and we still see them used today. So the closing position has a lot of roots uh, here in Oakland. Absolutely love it. And before we get to the top 10, always fun where we do your honorable mention. Uh, some closers who didn't quite make the list, guys like Octavio Dotel, uh, A's all-star, Bill Cottle, Dave Beard. Dave Beard, who was the A's closer uh, in the early 80s for a team that had nothing but complete games, so Dave Beard didn't get much work. Uh, Brad Ziegler, Bob Lacey, and then a couple current guys, Santiago Casilla, Ryan Madsen, all did fine jobs at one time or another, but not quite good enough to make the list. 
you know, I, I bet we could have one of these lists with like every single every single team has had just a bunch of different guys that really got a, a cup of coffee to be their closer. Yeah, you know, if people talk about now that, you know, pitching the ninth inning is no different than pitching the eighth inning or the seventh inning. And that's so wrong. Right, because the ninth inning is different. It's a different beast, and you have to have a different mentality to pitch that ninth inning because you have no safety net. If you don't do your job, your team's going to lose. Where if you're in the seventh or eighth inning, you can give up the lead or give up some runs, and your team still has chances to come back. Uh, the ninth inning, you don't have that, so you need a certain type of pitcher. I remember in the late 90s, uh, the A's were trying to find a closer. This was after they got rid of Dennis Eckersley, and they brought in guys like Mark Aker and John Briscoe to try and close. I remember talking to Art Howe, the A's manager, and he, he, would, he would tell me stories of going to the mound in the ninth inning and seeing the look in, like, Mark Aker's face, just pure terror that this guy who was lights out when he was pitching in the eighth inning, you put him in the ninth, there's just no way he's going to get the job done. It's just a different mentality to be a closer. No doubt about it, and that's why you see guys, they have runs where – they're very good in the ninth inning, and then they lose it mentally. They still have the same stuff. But as you said, there's a finality to the to, to being a closer. It's the end of the game, and guys can have the exact same stuff, but they lose it mentally, and they end up losing their closing job. Yeah, it's really is. It's so much more of a mental position to be in. And some guys are just they're built for it, or, or they just take to it. And I think we saw that last year with Liam Hendricks. When he finally got a chance to be an everyday closer, he just took to it, right? He took to being that guy on the mound, just throwing heat and, and blowing guys away and with no fear. Yeah, he blew some games, right? He gave back-to-back home runs at Yankee Stadium uh, to lose the game. But he comes right back with that same fierce mentality where you see other guys, they fail once, and they never get it back. All righty, let's get to our top 10, number 10. All right, we're actually going to start with two guys who just missed outside, the 11 and 12 guys. Uh, and number 12 was Billy Taylor. Billy Taylor had 100 saves with the A's. That's a lot of saves. But they were saves for very bad A's teams between 96 and 99. This is a guy who didn't make his major league debut until he was 32. Uh, and why he didn't make the list for a guy with 100 saves? Uh, because anytime it was a big game, in a big moment, Billy Taylor couldn't get the job done. And he was one of those guys who, who could pitch in the ninth, but he wasn't good enough to, you know, Jacobs Field when it was rocking with those Indians teams, no chance Billy Taylor was getting out of there alive. So he, he doesn't make it. And the other guy at number 11 is Jay Howe. And Jay Howe was the A's closer in 85, 86, and 87. Uh, 85, he was an all-star. He was also an all-star in 87. Actually lost the all-star game, took the loss. And the reason he doesn't make the list is just because of injuries. Uh, he was never able to be healthy enough. He had a nice 85 season, but didn't quite uh, – follow through in 86 and 87. So number 10 is Blake Trinan. And one unbelievable year in the A's closer in 2018, right? The 0.78 ERA, which is still the lowest ERA ever for any pitcher with 80 or more innings pitch. 0.78. 21 walks, 100 strikeouts, and only 80 innings. Opponents only hit 158. And that year is just too good, too dominant, to be ignored. I mean, he was 38 saves that season. And then you look back at 2017 when he came over in the trade with the Nationals, you know, he went 13 for 16 in saves at the end of that year with a 2.13 ERA. So 
he kind of gave us a preview of what 2018 was going to be like. And even last year, and it was a rough year for Blake Trine, and we know that, but he was still able to put 16 saves together and was still very good in April and through most of May. Um, but I think that 2018 season, that's just too great, too dominant to be ignored. Yeah, and, and once again, you talk about the mental aspect of it. I mean, just to go from having one of the greatest years of all time to then having a 4.91 ERA was really shocking. Yeah, and the stuff, and you just talked about it too, the stuff looked the same, right? But he wasn't throwing as many strikes. And I think that's where really got him, that he was falling behind consistently and he had to come in with more of a, a two-seam or four-seam fastball that was going to get hit, where he couldn't rely on that, that devastating slider that we saw the year before. Uh, credit to the hitters for laying off some tough pitches, but you know, trying to give up a few more home runs. He was he was laying the ball in there a little bit more than we saw the year before, and then mentally, I think it did take its toll. I think the the outing at Yankee Stadium in the wild card game at the end of 2018, where he gave up some big hits, and he talked to Susan Slusser about it, and she wrote an article that stayed with him all winter. I don't think he's ever really quite got over that. Yeah, we'll see what he does with the Dodgers. He got his $10 million and uh, good luck to him. All right, Blake Trinan, number 10. Who do we have for number nine? Number nine is Keith Folk, and another guy with one year that was just, again, too dominant to be ignored, and that was 2003. He was an all-star. He was a fireman of the year. He was a Rolaids relief pitcher of the year. Nine and one record, 2.08 ERA. 43 out of 48. So he blew five games. But here's the kicker on that. The A's won four of those five games where he blew a save. And never once did he take the mound with the lead and leave the mound trailing in the regular season. It never happened. So even if he blew a save, he saved the tie. And he gave the A's that chance to win. Never suffered a walk-off loss. Right? That is unbelievable for a closer who pitched as much as he did. Now, that's the caveat. Game four, the ALDS at Fenway Park against the Red Sox, the only time he took the mound with the lead and left trailing when he gave up the two-run double to David Ortiz. So bad time to have that first happen. But the regular season, he was just too good. He was just, you know, he wasn't a fireballer. Keith Folk was a guy who got by with off-speed pitches and fooling you and taking your timing off. But... 43 for 48, never leaving the mound trailing. Unbelievable season by Keith Polk. Yeah, he had a great changeup. Unbelievable changeup. And that's what really hurt him in the in the playoffs against the Red Sox. He wasn't able to pitch his, throw his changeup because he was having back problems. And he talked about it, that he had to just go fastball, fastball, gives up the double off the wall to Nomar, then the double to Ortiz. He just he wouldn't throw the changeup, and he, he, he kept saying he wasn't healthy enough to throw it. Yeah, just, just so many odd moments in A's playoff history, especially from 2000 on, that uh, we have seen. All right, number eight. Number eight was a guy who the A's traded away to get Keith Folk, and that was Billy Koch. And Billy Koch in 2002 was the man for that A's team. Uh, he was acquired before the 2002 season for Eric Hinsky and Justin Miller, a pretty good closer for the Blue Jays. In 2002, he takes it to another level because he wasn't just a one-inning closer and he wasn't just a one-day closer, I need a break. This guy pitched in 84 games. 
He threw over 93 innings. At one point during the season, he had saves in five straight games, also saves on four straight days, which is unheard of. I mean, Art Howe was saying, I can't pitch him today. He's pitched four days in a row already. Nope. Close game. He's getting Billy Koch in there. And, and everybody remembers the 20-game win streak the A's had in 2002. What they tend to forget is in the summer, they had a streak where they won 16 out of 17 games. Unbelievable streak, 16-1. and one, And Billy Koch is out there, and I believe he saved 11 of those games. And he was just – he was the guy at the end of the game who just closed it out. He was also the Rolays Relief Man Award winner, the Sporting News Fireman of the Year. Just in, in, I think everybody remembers the game at Fenway Park where Terrence Long goes over the wall to rob Manny Ramirez. And there's Billy Koch running halfway out the center field to give Terrence Long a hug. He was so into it. He was beloved by his teammates. He was usually one of the first guys at the ballpark. Uh, Billy Koch, unbelievable in 2002, and that's why he checks in at number eight. Oh, this year is just, my God, 44 saves. 11-4 and four was his record. The fact that he threw in 84 games is crazy. As a closer, 84 games. And he just wanted the ball. He never refused it, and I, I believe there was one game during the season where Art Howell told Billy Koch not to come to the ballpark. Literally, <laughs> don't come, because if you're there, I'm going to see you. You're going to want to pitch, and I'm going to want to put you in, because that, that's what he was like. Yeah, he got MVP votes that year. Yeah, he was such a force on, on that A's team. Uh, you know, during the streak, yeah, he, did, he blew the save. In game number 20, he gives up a hit to Luis Alicea, who's an A's killer. When we do top 10 A's killers, you know Luis Alicea is going to be on that list. But uh, just a tremendous season by Billy Koch. All right, number seven. Number seven is Sean Doolittle. You know, uh, just an amazing story. I, I don't think it gets enough credit when we think back on it. You know, he was a first-round pick of the A's as a first baseman in 2007. And in 2008, his really his one full minor league season as a first baseman, he hit 286, 22 bombs, drove in 91. He was going to be the guy to replace Derek Barton as the A's first baseman. That's how good a hitter he was. He was no joke, right? But then the knee injuries, he, he's, he's not able to swing the bat anymore, reinvents himself as a pitcher, a fireballing pitcher. Uh, in 2012, he's in the minors, 25 innings, only eight hits, seven walks, 48 strikeouts. It couldn't be ignored. So the A's bring him up in June, Major League debut. He strikes out three of the four Texas Rangers he faces. Uh, just a, a force in the A's bullpen. Not always the everyday closer at this point, but in 2014, he takes over as the closer. Goes 22 for 26, eight walks, 89 strikeouts. Eight walks, 89 strikeouts for a guy who's been only pitching now for really three-plus seasons. He's an all-star that year. Sean Doolittle, plus he's got the right field. Bleacher's going crazy. Uh, fans love him. Uh, 2015, there's some injuries starting to pop up. So he shares the closer role with Tyler Clippard. And then 2016 and 17, he shares it with Ryan Madsen. But in the end, Sean Doolittle, it's just an amazing story, and now he's a World Series champion to cap it all off. And one hell of a guy. He really, really is a superhuman being. And that's exactly right. The things that he does off the field, the things he's doing with reading, 
you know, going around every city, going to local bookstores and, and, and tweeting about it and getting people involved. Him and his wife, the stuff they do off the field is so noteworthy. And, and it's a guy I, I continue to root for. I hope other A's fans do, do too. He was so beloved as an A's pitcher. There's no reason to stop and watching him win the, World, win the World Series and be a part of that. It's really special. Yeah, that was, and also uh, Kurt Suzuki to see him get get the ring, you know, because you know at one point we're not sure how long Kurt was going to keep playing, but you know, you get to know these guys, and you, and you get to know the ones who are really good people, and to see those two guys get get a ring was really cool. Yeah, Suzuki's had an unbelievable career too. A guy who came up in two thousand seven, right? Fourteen years in the big leagues, and a couple times it looked like his career was over, and now he's starting for a World Series champion. That's, that's a heck of a story. All righty, number six, all-time closers for Oakland A's. Number six is now the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants, and that's Andrew Bailey. And I think people kind of forget about Andrew Bailey and forget about how good he was with the A's, right? Because, again, not great A's teams in the late aughts, as I guess we're calling them. In 2009, he's the rookie of the year. A 1.84 ERA, an all-star, saves 26 of 30 games. 2010, he's an all-star again, 1.47 ERA, 25 of 28. Uh, in 2011, again, an in, in injury-filled year, he's still 24 for 26. But think about this. He is the Oakland A's all-time leader in save percentage. He saved 89.3% of the games he was asked to close. 75 of 84. He's the all-time leader. Uh, I think he just kind of gets lost, right, because of the injuries and the way he kind of left the A's, uh, gets replaced. The A's start to become a winning club in 2012 once he's gone. But he was he was a dominant pitcher for the Athletics, and I don't think anybody remembers. Yeah, that would be a good trivia question because you know, immediately you're going to think, Eck. You're going to think Raleigh. You're thinking Hall of Famers. You're not thinking Andrew Bailey. No, not at all. He was efficient. Uh, you know, he, th- he didn't throw all that hard, but he had a nice little cut to his ball that made it hard to hit. Um, you know, it's tough when you're on, closers on bad teams get overlooked a lot because really what pressure is on you, that's what a lot of fans think. But there's a lot of pressure because it's one of your few chances to get a win. So you need to close it out to get that ball club to win. And he was as good. Well, obviously, he was better than anybody as far as percentage goes at closing out games. Pretty incredible. And now an opportunity. I mean, that's one thing, you know, they, they, they talked about his pitching mind down there in Anaheim. We're going to get to see it up here. Yeah, the Giants, I think, got a good one there in Andrew Bailey. He was always a student of the game. He was always learning. Uh, he was always talking to people. Uh, you know, a really good communicator just as a player as we knew him. Uh, the way he respected everybody around him. He, he was never that – he never big-leagued anybody. He was always thankful for his position. I think the Giants are going to – they're going to get a good payoff getting Andrew Bailey as their pitching coach. All righty, number five. Number five is a guy I just loved, and that was Grant Balfour. Uh, and he made our all-decade list. He was the only bullpen pitcher to make our all-decade list. And I, I just think what he did, taking over as the A's closer – in August of 2012, finishing that year out, going 17 for 17, only six walks, 27 Ks as he closed out that that season. And think about this. 
Closing out the 2012 season, the A's make the unbelievable comeback. They win the AL West. Grant Balfour retired the final 26 batters he faced in the regular season. That's almost a perfect game for, for a reliever. 26 straight batters to end the year. Dominant. Comes back in 2013. He's an all-star. He only blows three saves. He's 38 for 41. And over those two years, he sets the A's record with 44 consecutive saves. Beating Eck, 44 straight saves. And again, he looked like a closer should look. He's on the mound. You can almost see the smoke coming out of his ears. Right field bleachers going crazy. The hair going. He was scary out there. And once he took over his closer, changed everything with that A's team. And he, he wanted the job. He came over in, in 2011, and he was basically a setup guy, and never really happy about it, right? Brian Fuentes was closing. And even in 2012, as you watch Ryan Cook kind of struggle at times, he always wanted the, wanted the gig. And once he got it, he took it, he ran with it, and he was as dominant over that year and a half as any closer, really, that the A's had seen for that long of a time since Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, he was a he was a fun one. Uh, you know, that's well. There's certain guys that that you love interviewing, and you never know what they're gonna say. And uh, that was Grant Balfour. He he was fun to cover. Yeah, uh, the Aussie in him. Yeah, uh, never knew what he was gonna say is true. He looked like he was always gonna. He's always ready for a good time, but all business and meanness when he took them out. Number four. Number four is Jason Isringhausen. And Jason was acquired from the Mets the end of, uh, at the trading deadline, July 31st, 99, for Billy Taylor. And now Isringhauser, he was going to be a starting pitcher, right? He was one of those, those Mets starters everyone's talking about with Paul Wilson, uh, Grant Pulsifer. It was Bill Pulsifer. He was, it was the next greatness of Mets pitching. And it didn't work out because of injuries. But the A's got him, and they saw something in him as a closer. And they saw him as a closer at the end of 99, and he goes eight for eight. And when he got his closer card to me was at Yankee Stadium, the end of August, he comes in to protect a one-run lead in the bottom of the 11th. And now he's got the bases loaded. He's bouncing balls. And he, you can see he had that wild-eyed look. He had that Mark Aker look that he was so scared that you didn't know what was going to happen on the mound. And Mike McFarlane was the ace catcher. And Mike McFarlane goes after the mound you know, he had seen it all. He was, he was a Crash Davis-type personality. Nothing fazed him. And he kind of goes out there, and he's just like, whoa, whoa, is he? Whoa, just relax. Watch my fingers. Throw me the heater. We're going to get out of this. Goes back behind the plate. Isringhauser strikes out Posada. Then he gets Luis Soho, a possible ace killer on the list, uh, to ground out. Gets out of it. And it's like, from that moment on, Jason Isringhausen was a closer. Uh, in 2000, he was 33 out of 40. He was an all-star. 2001, 34 out of 43. He, he had presence on the mound. In the postseason for the A's, he was three for three in save opportunities. Uh, he just took it again and ran with it. He found that comfort zone that I don't have to throw seven, eight innings, 100 pitches. I only have to go out there for three batters, throw as hard as I can, and go get them. He's, he had the big breaking ball. You know, Frank Catalanato struck out in the 2000 season uh, with the A's clinching the AL West on a big breaking ball. But it was the heater that got him by. And he, he was a joy to watch a guy who had struggled so hard with his health 
to really be healthy and just dominate in this new position that's closing. Number three. Number three was drafted at the University of Texas as a closer in 2004, something that it was sort of new to baseball in the early 2000s, drafting a closer. And that's Houston Street. Uh, Houston Street, you think about this, he's a 2004 draft pick. In 2005, he's already the A's closer. He takes over for Octavio Tell in June. He's the rookie of the year in 2005. 5-1, 1.72 ERA, 23 saves. And then from 06, 07, 08, he's your A's closer. And he does a good job. I don't think he was ever as good as he was when he was in 2005, but he was consistent. Um, you know, even in 2006, an AL West Division title year, he was the guy who closed those games out and, and, and allowed the A's to, to pile up the victories. Uh, you know, once Bob Guerin took over as manager, that was where kind of the, the end of the road came with Houston Street because they did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And Houston let it be known that he didn't see eye to eye with Bob Guerin. That sort of facilitated facilitated the trade to Colorado. But for those years, uh, Houston Street, he was, he was as good as they got. And again, drafted as a closer. It was something, a new, a new thing you hadn't seen in baseball. Yeah, because it was always failed starter, now a closer. Now this is a guy that he had, and he had a great career with the Longhorns. He did, and he was, he was fantastic. And he had a really good major league career after leaving the A's the Rockies and the Angels. Um, I don't think he ever got to be quite as consistent, you know, as I, th- I think he wanted to be. There were still times he struggled because he wasn't a hard thrower. He definitely relied on location and movement, and sometimes that, that left him. But overall, Houston Street, and now I guess he's, he's got his hands on a lot of different things after baseball. Always been an inquisitive guy and interesting guy. Uh, and just, I think the A's were lucky to have him when they did. All right, this is a tough call. Number two Hall of Famers, who's number two? Oh, I've gone back and forth over this, right, because you got two guys, two Hall of Famers, who redefine the closing position. And so what sets one apart from the other? And for me, it had to be postseason. And because of that, coming in at number two is Dennis Eckersley. Eck, who came over in 87, you talk about, you know, a failed starter. At that point, that's kind of what Eck was. He was, had some struggles with the Cubs. He wasn't the same pitcher. We know about his alcoholism. But by the time he got to the A's, he's clean. He wants to be a starter. But Tony La Russa, he had enough starters at that point, so he puts him in the bullpen. And these are some little outings that, that showed you what was to come. In June of that year, he relieved Moose Haas in a game to start the fourth inning. And he pitches six perfect innings to close out that ball game against the Indians. Then his next outing, he throws five shutout innings in relief. And I think in Dave Duncan and Tony LaRusso's head, they're seeing this going, this arm coming out of the bullpen is going to be so hard to hit. Because, again, you're not telling X, we need seven innings, eight innings out of you. We need you just to get the next guy out. And so they, Jay Howe gets hurt. They put Eck in as the closer, and you start to the seeds were, were planted for what we're going to see in 88. In 88, 45 of 53, he walked only 11 batters, 70 strikeouts. In 89, he misses two months of the season, but still saves 33 games with an ERA of 1.56, three walks, 55 strikeouts. 
1990, which is probably his most dominant year. Uh, he wins the AL Cy Young and the AL MVP in 92, but he was even more dominant in 1990. 48-50, he only blew two saves all year, 0.61 ERA, four walks the entire season, four walks, 73 strikeouts. Uh, and then his MVP year, Cy Young year, 92, 51 saves, uh, only 11 walks, 93 Ks. I mean, it's, it's satisfactory. He had 40 straight saves. Uh, this guy, he redefined the closer role. The, the A's, for a while, they were still kind of bringing him in in the eighth inning in 1988. But as the season went along, they said, you know what? We need him just to start the ninth. Clean inning, nobody on base, three batters. And he was as good as it gets. So why isn't he number one? And I hate to bring it up, but postseason failures, right? I mean, we know about Kirk Gibson. We also know about the Robbie Alomar in 92 giving up the home run. And that game as a whole, we can do a whole show on that game because that was ridiculous. He's blowing a four-run lead in the eighth inning. But also 1990, game two, uh, giving up the single to, to, to Joe Oliver to lose that game. Um, it just – that's the only thing that really set Dennis Eckersley apart from number one was those few failures in the postseason, but they definitely stick out. No doubt about it. And, you know, when you have the history that that Raleigh had in the postseason, especially for the A's, it, it's, I mean, he's greatness. It is. And that's why Raleigh Fingers is my number one closer. Again, a failed starter. I mean, he started and relieved in 69 and 71. Um, but in 72, he starts working out of relief almost full-time. He had over 100 innings in relief, 72, 73, 74, 75, five straight years of over 100 innings in relief. This is not a one-inning closer. This was a guy who would come in at any time in the game, any time there was trouble, to put out the fire uh, and, and then finish the game. He was a four-time All-Star. And, and you look at his numbers, and he didn't have the ERA or the walk strikeouts that X did, but he had the efficiency – and then the postseason, um, 27 postseason games with the A's. Uh, he was 8 for 11 in saves. So he did blow three games, but again, none of them in walk-off fashion. And the A's won all three games that he took the blown save. And a couple of those blown saves were coming in with a guy on third with one out in a one-run game, and he gets up a sack quad. So, you know, it wasn't really a, a typical blown save. It was, it was a tough situation, but he preserved the tie, and the A's go on to win. And he also had games in the postseason where he's throwing multiple innings, three innings in the ALCS against the Tigers in game one, three and a third in game one of the 73 World Series, three and a third in game seven of the 73 World Series. Game seven, last game of the year. He should be tired. He's throwing three and a third. And then, of course, game one of the 74 World Series. How about four and a third innings in relief of Ken Holtzman? Four and a third. And this is unheard of. Nowadays, but for Raleigh Fingers, that was the job. And we, you know, as a starter, he would always get nervous. He'd get sick to his stomach. But now, as a reliever, came in a wicked slider. He had that presence on the mound. Raleigh Fingers, that's why he gets to be number one. I had him on the program and I had to ask him because I read it in, in one of these A's books. I can't remember which one. But when he was in Kansas City with the A's in a spring training game, he threw a complete game. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, is that real? Did you? He goes, yeah. He goes back in those days. Can you imagine a spring training game? A guy throwing a complete game. 
No, I don't, I don't even imagine a guy throwing three innings in a spring game, <laughs> spring training game anymore. <laughs> All righty, let's go over that top ten one more time. Number ten, Blake Prynan. Number nine, Keith Folk. Number eight, Billy Cox. Number seven, Sean Doolittle. Number six, Andrew Bailey. Number five, Grant Balfour. Number four, Jason Isringhausen. Number three, Houston Street. Number two, Dennis Eckersley. And the number one closer in Oakland A's history, Raleigh Fingers. And that is your top ten Oakland A's closers right here on Green and Gold History. Great stuff, Feldy. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Townie. Have a good day. Awesome stuff. Top ten. How'd you like that? Commander Cody, to break away from the Astros for a moment. You and I are both looking at each other. We're really curious as to who's going to be two and one, and we both agree. We thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I thought for sure Eck was going to be number one, but he went. He went with Raleigh, and he he cited the postseason troubles that Eck had, and you know I knew he was going to go to Kirk Gibson first. And he. But I remember the Reds too. They got swept by the Reds. Yeah, yeah that was a that was a tough blow. Uh, Mario Lopez. I have not heard this. I just saw it on Twitter. Uh, obviously, Mario, what's the show he's on? No, oh, I know he was on Saved by the Bell. He's on what? What's he on now? Uh, let me look. E or whatever it is. Love Saved by the Bell, by the way. One of my favorite shows of all time. Watching it on uh, USA Network constantly when I was in college. I think I've seen, swear to God, I've seen every episode. He is on like Extra. Extra, yeah. I knew it was someone with an E. <laughs> so, did you listen to what he had to – he has yeah. a rant. Is it good? It, it is. He says something that's probably not um, – it's not uh, NSFW, like meaning it's okay to put it on the air, but I believe it anyway for effect. Okay. So, uh, we can play it. I have it right. So, Mario Lopez went on a rant about the Houston Astros, the star of Extra. Well, I'm going to tell you what's really on my mind. I, I, I'm, really, I'm really fired up today because – all my Dodgers fans out there know what I'm talking about. Houston Astros just got pinched officially. Those cheating rat <laughs> use technology to steal signs. You can steal signs, Tony. I know it's part of baseball not using technology. Come on. They, they are um, suspending the GM and the manager for a year, fining them $5 million, but that's too light. Oh, and draft picks for two years, but that, that's too light. Take away the ring. They need to take away the ring. Yes. Give it to the Dodgers, right? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are angry. Think about this. You're the A's. You've won 97 games, two straight years, and it doesn't win you in the division. How many games were they winning over the last few years because of cheating? Everybody in the AOS should be angry. Everybody. I mean... You want to talk about a tainted champion? Let's face it. If the Astros were able to win another title or two, you're talking about a dynasty. But now you're not. Now it's all thrown down the drain. Why don't we, should we, should we do Mike Petriello right here? And then we can do a little buying or, buying or selling. Is buying or selling a lot about the Houston Astros? Commander Cody. I wrote a lot of it before the Astros stuff came out. There are there is stuff in there 
about the city of Houston, though, and oh. what they've been through. Earlier today, we caught up with Mike Petriello, who does a great job, MLB.com, and also his StatCast podcast. Here is Mike. Mike, we always appreciate you having me on here on A's Cast Live and just a, another slow day here in the winter. Yeah, there's really nothing going on at all this winter. <laughs> I can't wait for the season to start so there's baseball to talk about. <laughs> wow. I mean, we knew Major League Baseball was going to come down hard on the Astros, I guess I'm not totally shocked by the one-year suspension for Jeffrey Luno and the manager, A.J. Hinch. I guess what I'm shocked about, and you tell me, the fact that the owner, Jim Crane, then fired both of them. Yeah, it's, it, that was the most surprising part to me, um, for sure. And, you know, you have to wonder if either of those guys were even going to be able to really come back and do the job afterwards, you know, especially Luno. Um, because he's the one who's going to have to deal with the other teams and hire front office executives. That's a hard spot to come back in and say you're going to you're going to do that job. So the owner has done what was probably the correct thing to do, and it's going to make for a very weird season, I think, because they'll have somebody being the GM and somebody being the manager. You know, it could be like Joe Spada who is already on the staff. But what's going to happen is they're still a really good team, right? They they were not a good team because of this cheating. Certainly, you know, the moral implications of this are massive. Um, but it's not at all hard to see Joe Espada leading a tainted Astros team right back to the playoffs, and that's certainly going to make for some kind of story. Well, I think that for my listeners right out of the gate, you know, from an A standpoint, we haven't been thrilled about this. You know, when, when you suspect that a team is cheating and they're beating you every year and you win 97 games two straight years and it just gets you into the wild card game, you know, A's fans haven't been thrilled by this. And I guess an A's fan's number one question would be, how do you think this will? Do we have any idea? But how do you think this will affect the actual Astros on the field? Yeah, that's the exact right question to ask. And I I wish I had a great answer to that. I mean, part of it is uh, you have to separate the pitching and the hitting. We have no indication that the pitchers had anything to do with this. So you can expect Justin Verlander is still going to be great, right? Uh, As far as the hitters go, you know, you, you hear about the methods that were used, and you have to think to yourself, well, well sure, if you knew what pitch is coming, that, that has to help, right? And my impression is that it probably did. Uh, but on the other hand, it's really hard to know who and by how much. For example, Josh Reddick was really bad last year. So does that mean he wasn't using it, or he was and it didn't help, or he's just near the end of his career? I have no idea. I hesitate to say that Alex Bregman, who's been a star his entire life, was only good because of that. Certainly, you can't brush any of this aside. It's, it's a massive unknown. I really don't know how to evaluate this going forward because we've never really seen anything like this on this scale. No, and then it doesn't stop in Houston. It looks like what we've seen today is pretty harsh, but it could be getting even harsher on Alex Cora, who was a part of this in Houston. Now he's being accused of cheating as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Could we see Alex Cora, a part of two, a part of two championships, may even get harsher punishment than this? Yeah, if you read the PDF report that came out today, Alex Cora already has tire marks on his back. You know, he has been completely thrown under the bus here, and certainly he it sounds like he has uh, he's deserving of of a lot of that. And he has he was not disciplined today because they are still investigating the Red Sox, but they've made it pretty clear that discipline will be coming. Uh, it's possible he could get even a harder suspension than AJ Hinch got. You know, it could be more than a year. It could be banned indefinitely, and then the Red Sox could be saved could say, you know what, we don't want you here anymore. It's very possible he has managed his final game for the Red Sox or for anyone, which is a really funny thing to think about, you know, with all the success he's had over the last few years. 
Yeah, after he won the title, he was an absolute darling of the sport. And to think that, you know, we could maybe see one of these punishments where you're out of the game forever. Uh, you know, the future for we're talking about two managers here that won World Series. Their future in this game, uh, pretty muddy. We may never see these guys manage again. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, you know, like, it's like an hour old, you know, so we're all digesting this a lot. The, the other thing that stands out to me, in addition to what you said, is that it sounds like none of the players are going to get disciplined here, even though it also sounds like uh, the players, as well as Cora, were the ones who really kind of pushed this along. And I, I think I understand why, certainly, you know, the, the commissioner's office has a lot more latitude to punish owners and, and coaches than they do with players because you have to go through the union and obviously relations with the union uh, are a little fraught right now uh, but it's just interesting to, to see that it's it's going all to management and not to the players themselves and I think that's going to be kind of uh, an underrated aspect of the story as, uh, as more guys come out like think about the guys who are on that team who are no longer active and don't to lose like I don't know Brian McCann I have no indication that Brian McCann knew anything whatsoever and I don't mean to sound like I do uh, but he is a guy who was on that team and has always been you know a playing the right way kind of guy I'd love to hear some of these other guys get asked now that this is all out in the open yeah I I, I was kind of shocked if, if there's certain players that were de- definitely helping with this and another guy that is a part of this is Carlos Beltran who's now the manager of the New York Mets he was a player at the time do you think players should be more held accountable? Because they were obviously the ones implementing this. Yeah, I do. Uh, it just kind of leads you down some slippery slopes here. If you find out, for example, that two-thirds of the was doing it, well, you can't suspend all those guys uh, right now because then how do you even have a team? Um, and it, it does sound like part of it was about who was willing to talk and who was willing to help. I mean, it's all so new. It's, it's a little difficult to digest. But it is kind of weird to me that no player is going to feel any ill uh, effects from this. Um, it's obviously they had a large part in doing this, and I do wonder if that uh, sends a message to any players down the road that maybe it's just going to go upwards if you get caught doing this. Yeah, it's going to be a wild time in 2020, and I think this was this was big for the commissioner because you look at how the NFL handled the cheating scandal with the Patriots. They still get criticized for this. Basically, Manfred came out after 2017, wrote a it was like a three-page memo to everybody saying, do not cheat. So I think it was really, don't you think it was really important for him to lay down the law to let everybody know that Major League Baseball is not going to allow for this? I think that's absolutely right. And you could look at this and say that this is the largest punishment that's been happening the Black Sox, the, the Chicago White Sox of 1919, a full century ago. Um, and that that's definitely coming out strong. You know, it's hard for any team to see this and say, uh, this is something we want to be a part of going forward. And that is the message I think that needed to be sent. I know a lot of people wanted it to go further. People would have loved to see them get stripped of the title or be ineligible for the postseason this upcoming year. This isn't college football. Like, I don't think any of those things were realistically going to happen. Uh, so in terms of what he was really capable of doing, the only thing that he didn't do that I think, you know, you could have thought about was just banning those guys for life himself, uh, like like the general manager and the manager. Because we've seen that before. Braves general manager John Coppola, who got banned for life with improprieties and international signing, and that didn't happen. Uh, I guess, you know, by secondary effect, it did because those guys got fired anyway. So I agree with you that the league could not afford to go lightly here, and I don't think that they did. 
Yeah, college football and college basketball, they call it lack of institutional control and uh, definitely something that was going on in Houston. Well, of course, we want to get into this new metric. Of course, what you do with StatCast and your StatCast podcast, which is phenomenal, and you're writing on MLB.com. Outs above average. When did we come up with this? Well, we've had it for outfielders for uh, two seasons now, and people have been asking us forever, when are we going to expand it to infielders? And trust me, it's been a lot of hard work. Infield is a lot more complicated than outfield, and that is now out as of last week. Outs above average is uh, the defensive metric that hopefully says who is the uh, who, who plays infield well or poorly uh, defensively, and I think I was pretty happy, as I imagine most of your listeners are, to find that match. Olsen each rated outstandingly. I believe Olsen was the number one first baseman, and Chapman was a touch behind Nolan Arenado. And uh, to me, both of those rankings certainly pass the smell test here. Yeah, we are so fortunate to have these two guys. And for me this season, you know, because he broke his hamate bone in Japan last year, he missed a lot of games. This is the year, I think, Matt Olsen in 2020. The A's are going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a playoff team, and now with this stuff going on with the Astros, maybe they're maybe they can overtake the Astros. But I'm looking at like 40 plus bombs, well over 100 RBIs, a Gold Glove. When you really look at Matt Olson, I think 2020 is going to be the year, Mike, where people around the country realize the A's got something really special at first base. Yeah, I can tell you this. Every year for the last five or six years about this time, I go over to MLB Network and I participate in the Top 10 Right Now series. I rank my top 10 players for the upcoming season at every position. And we just filmed all of ours the other day. They'll be coming out each weekend for the next month. And at first base, I had Matt Olson number two. And I actually considered having him at number one. Uh, I ended up going with Freddie Freeman just because of a little longer track record there. Uh, but I, I agree with you totally. You know, there's been a lot of good first basemen over the years, but I look at Olson. And the only reason that, like I said, I had Friedman was because of the track record, but I think Olsen's a better defender. I think he hits the ball harder, and he is like four or five years younger than Freeman is. So it would not be surprising at all to see him being the best first baseman in baseball at the end of the year. Where did you have Simeon and Chapman? I had Chapman, I think, fourth. I don't have the list in front of me, but I believe I had some combination of Bregman, Rendon, and Arenado ahead of him. And Simeon was, I want to say, seventh, and that's speaks a lot to the depth of shortstop uh, because you have Lindor and you have Bogarts and you have all these guys. So you could safely say I had three A's in the top ten uh, in the infield, and I'm pretty sure I also had both Marcana and Ramon Laureano in my outfielders as well. Yeah, this is a, you know, this is a really good time for A's baseball. They have a, a, a young core that as of right now is cheap, which is, you know, which is good for the athletics, but I'm not going to be shocked what this team does in 2020. I mean, we've still got a ways to go here before spring training, but I, I, what are your expectations for the A's this year? The top or one of the top uh, wildcard contending teams. I mean, it certainly helps that the Red Sox don't really seem to be interested in doing anything, you know, so that takes out one of the big guns there. And obviously, as we talked about, Lord knows what's going to happen with Astros. Um, I, I remember like two years ago, and I, if I can set aside all the bad takes I've had, one of my takes I thought of was like two years ago after the A's had been in the last place for three straight years, I was kind of about them, and I said, this is going to be a really good team, you should pay attention, uh, and I have been for the last two seasons. And when I look ahead to this upcoming season, not only is it Chapman and Olsen uh, and all the, the bats that we've liked, but if they can get uh, Jesus Lizardo and A.J. Puck to be healthy, those two guys of all the talent in the entire world. And, you know, you could see them up in a rotation. 
with Flyers and Manaya, and there's a lot there to like um, if they can hold that together. I'm really excited to see those guys. I know that they're not going to throw 200 innings apiece, coming off injury and all that. Guys that not enough teams have, and that really puts the A's kind of in the catbird seat here. Let's end on this, and one more thing about the Astros. So during this investigation, the Astro people, employees, have come out and said, hey, listen, we're not the only team doing this. And they've mentioned that there's almost a third of the game has been doing this. If you're Major League Baseball, what do you do about that? Yeah, that's a a really difficult question. I think part of it is – they're hoping to make an example of it. And I think part of it is, you know, you start investigations when you've got something credible to go on. So um, a ton of credit here is due to Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic because really spurred all this on the Astros. And then also that's what spurred on the Red Sox. I would be surprised if the other 28 teams in baseball all had completely clean hands here. But I just, I don't know how you can launch investigations unless you have something uh, you know, if there's a couple of really big ticket suspensions here for Houston and the Red Sox, and uh, if anything else credible comes along, uh, the point will have been made. But, you know, you're right. This is not a good look for baseball, <laughs> and um, we are all better off um, if this can get uh, expunged from the game, and I'm hopeful that these suspensions will help do that. Mike, you're the best. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Obviously a very interesting day in baseball history, and we'll talk to you soon as we uh, get close to spring training. Thanks, Chris. You take care. Wild, wild day in Major League Baseball. Can't say it enough. Today's the national championship game. I mean, Clemson and LSU is a heavy, heavy, heavyweight fight. And that's bumped. I'm I'm back on ESPN.com. It's the third thing down as Clemson's trying to win another national title. But the main story, and everywhere you go, it's the Astros. You fired your general manager and your manager who have won you a World Series. This is stuff that doesn't happen very often. And it's a shot across the bow to everybody in baseball. If the Astros are right, there's way too many people who have been cheating. And that's why Rob Manfred had to come down hard because, what was it, in 2018 is when he put the memo out? It was like a three-page memo saying, uh, do not cheat. And if you've been cheating, don't do it anymore. And if that's the case, then you've got anywhere between, like, if the if, – If Astros employees are correct, you've got anywhere between six to eight teams that have been doing doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. You know, their employees are like, hey, we're not the only ones doing this. If that's the case, as Mike just said, it's not a good thing. Now, watching these guys lose their jobs will probably change a lot of people. But, I mean, think of the Red Sox, too. After the, after the Apple Watch issue, there's a quote from Rob Manfred out there that said, the, you know, the, the, 
the Boston Red Sox have promised that they will never do something like this again. And then Alex Cora gets hired as a manager, and they're right back at doing it. I mean, if you, if you, if you looked at A.J. Hinch, and A.J., I don't believe, has spoke, spoken yet. But A.J. Hinch definitely looked like he tried to separate himself. I'm not giving him – he tried to separate himself at times from, from, from this sign stealing where we hear from the investigation that he shattered monitors uh, multiple times. But no matter what, he knew it was going on, and that's why he got banned. But if, if, if A.J., let's just say, wasn't 100% in – and you gave him a year. What are you going to give Alex Cora, who is the mastermind of this? He's the guy that set it up in Houston and then set it up in Boston. Well, actually, you mentioned Hinch. Uh, Bob Nightingale has a tweet. He released a statement. This is from A.J. Hinch. I appreciate Commissioner Manfred's unwavering commitment to upholding the best interests of baseball. I regret being connected to these events and am disappointed in our club's actions within this timeline. And I accept the commissioner's decision. As a leader and major league and major league manager, it is my responsibility to lead players and staff with integrity that represents the game in the best possible way. While the evidence consistently showed I didn't endorse or participate in the sign stealing practices, I failed to stop them and I am deeply sorry. I apologize to Mr. Crane for all the negative reflections this may have had on him and the Astros organization. To the fans, thank you for your continued support through the challenging time. And for this team, I apologize to all of you for our mistakes, but I'm confident we will learn from it. And I personally commit to work tirelessly to ensure I do. My time in Houston has provided some of the greatest moments of my career, and those memories will always be near and dear to me and my family. I regret that my time with the Astros has ended, but I will always be a supporter of the club, players, and staff that I've had the privilege of working alongside. I wish them the best in the future of the game I love. And back to your point, I think you have to uh, get rid of Cora also. But that's a statement from A.J. Hinch speaking. So you got Luna who came out earlier and said, I am not a cheater. And pretty much threw Alex Cole under the bus. And A.J. Hinch did not name names. And he just you know, said he was sorry. If you get caught cheating, how can you say you're not a cheater? Right? Like, like I, I, I hear you. I understand. I understand what you're trying to do, but if you run baseball operations for a team that essentially is, I mean, let's, let's, they've been disciplined. You can't separate yourself. You ran the club. Your club got caught for cheating. That means you're a cheater. I mean, these things are, these things are so small. These, I mean, you got to realize this isn't like a business like your Amazon or Google, and you got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of employees. You got twenty-five guys. You got a manager. You got a pitching coach. You got a hitting coach. You got a bench coach. You got a third base coach. You got a first base coach. You got a couple broadcasters. I mean, the traveling party for a Major League Baseball team, it's not very big. So there's really no way for you to spin the 
hey, we had, we, I had no idea what was going on. There's no, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows. That's like the whole steroid era. You know, the steroid era. Oh, everybody knew people were on steroids. Whether you tried to deny it, whether you tried to act like you weren't a part of it, everybody knew it was going on. The game is too small. The businesses are too small. Everybody knows everything that's going on. Come on. When you're around the team every single day like we are, you don't think we know if there's a beef going on between players or there's, I mean it's it's just too it's too small to cover up. You know who likes each other, who doesn't like each other. I mean you know you know all the details. You're going to be the president of baseball operations and you don't know your guys are cheating and they've been doing it for you, you know. You, you, you ask other people, it's just not 2017. They've been doing it for a while. wonder how much Mike Fires will give us in spring training. Interesting to see if he'll be at FanFest and if, he, if anyone asks him about it there. But, yeah, spring training will be interesting because that's – we'll see if he says anything. I, I, I don't feel like that's the time, but, I mean, I guess once you get a couple weeks in, that's, you know, probably you're going to keep – if you keep – getting hot with the questions you're eventually going to say something. I swear I thought we saw someone say something they're going to speak more during spring training. I can't remember. I'm, I don't know why this – it's not it has nothing to do with this. Madison Bumgarner. That's what it was. Bumgarner speaking about signing with the Diamondbacks. Okay, that, I knew it was someone – It really is departure from the Giants is really what he's going to elaborate. And that's – Kerry Crowley from San Jose Mercury News told us that. There. Uh, by the way, Stephanie Epstein, the, the reporter that was – one of the ones in there with, with the Taubman situation, she wrote an article today for SI, and her tweet says, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno are effectively banned from baseball. The only shame is that they are not actually banned from baseball. So, you know, what happened with what happened with her and everything was horrible, and, you know, A.J. Hinch got in front of that. He was the only guy that actually went out and got in front of it and said how you shouldn't be afraid to come into our clubhouse. And, I, you know, I think he earned a lot of respect handling that the way he did, where, you know, Luno and the other guys in the Astros did nothing about it. They sent out a fake, you know, pretty much demeaning her character with a press release, and then they tried to retract it, and they finally got it right after like four times. So definitely shows you where uh, they, they were at between uh, Hinch and Luno. Yeah, her, her title of her article is MLB, not the Astros, should have fired A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno. You ready for a little buying or selling? It's time for Buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, what do you got? Well, it's going to be a very interesting time in Houston going forward. I'm going to start with this one. Apparently someone threw out Dusty Baker's a name on MLB Network as a guy that could maybe take over for the Astros. But I got another one for you. And this guy is a friend of the program. Houston's going through a tough time lately. We'll get to the... Titans or Texans in a little bit. They just lost their manager and GM. Well, there's a guy that was available and he was drafted by the Houston Astros. Huh. Front of the program. Bruce Bochy's available. Yeah. He's won three World Series titles. Uh-huh. Um, he knows what he he's knows what he's doing. He's uh-huh. been around the block a time or two. And Bochy said he was taking he was going to take the season off, but buying or selling Bruce Bochy will be the next manager of the Houston Astros. I would love to see that. Uh, we need to check the schedule and see if the Astros come to town to play the Giants. I would love to see that. Would you like to see him manage them more than the Padres? 
Uh, or better, the Dodgers if they move on from Dave oh, Roberts. Oh, 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 God, that would be just delicious. That would be so awesome. The hot takes everywhere. The takes to be wow, all over the place. Wow, Bochi in a Dodgers uniform battling the Giants would just be incredible. Well, as we talked to Matt Thomas, uh, Matt Thomas who works for the Astros, you know, it may just be the best thing is just to wipe the slate clean and go with a whole new staff. Or you could be like, okay, bring in Bochi. Say, hey, Boch, you know, let's try this out. Because what you need is stability. Because right now, you have nothing but chaos. You need somebody who can come in and put out the fire and get back to baseball. So, yeah, I, I, I'd kick the tires on someone like Bochi. No uh, question. I, I, the more I talk to, the more I talk about it, and the more that we do this show, the more I really think they should. You know, instead of like a spot of the bench coach. Um, I mean, Dusty's a good, a good, a good guy to look at too. He has experience. But I would, I'd, I'd probably clear the deck. I'd try and want to get away from this and just have all in it. Because, because what happens is, if you bring in all new people for 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 your staff, they're not going to be asked questions about the cheating because they weren't there. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about Espada. He wasn't there for it. He was a Yankees bench coach or third. I think he was a Yankees coach in 2017. Then he joined the Astros when Cora took the Red Sox job. Oh, you don't think they were doing it last year or the year? I don't. I was only told it was 2017. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't know. Uh-huh. I gotta. I gotta get. By the way, friend of the program Trevor Bauer sent out the video earlier. He also sent a tweet out to Lance McCullers Jr. saying "Happy New Year, bro." I was like, obviously he's getting on about the Astros, and McCullers goes, "Happy New Year, bro." I hope this year you find happiness. Clearly, the m- most miserable so miserable soul on this app. God bless. So, uh, Lance McCullers and Trevor Bauer don't like each other, huh? Uh, I mean, I guess not. I guess he keep, we're going to have to monitor that situation this year. Hopefully the Reds and um, Astros play each other this year in Cincinnati, where McCullers will have to bat. The Natty? Well, that went, uh, there's already been some um, rumors that uh, Astros could be getting in some uh, altercations this year. It was Julian tweeting out how the players should be wearing football. If it was him, he, they should be wearing football equipment, football like, gear. Like if you've been lit up before by the Houston Astros, which they've lit up a lot of pitchers, and you and you're, uh, I, 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 you know, I'd start banging on trash cans if I'm the opposing team. I, I would troll these guys. Oh, it's gonna happen. It's and, definitely. And then happen. you know, maybe guys, you know, some guys take some some uh, some shots in the ribs. I'm, I'm the first trip into Oakland's gonna be interesting with Mike Fires with the Astros, and how, I wonder how. The, I mean, there's nothing you can really do, but it's gonna be interesting to see just the media scrum and the media, you know, presence there for that situation when that happens. But Buster Olney continued his list of top ten players at each position over the weekend, and he did right field. And you and I have talked about right field forever because we always debate on who's the best right fielder. Well, Mookie Betts came in as a top right fielder to Bus, according to Buster Olney. Then Christian Yelich, who missed pretty much the last month of the year because he was hurt. Cody Bellinger was third. Aaron Judge was fourth. Ronald Acuna Jr. was fifth. And Bryce Harper was sixth. Now, Mookie Betts has the second highest war in baseball over the past few years behind only that guy in Anaheim, Mike Trout. And he has doubled his defensive run saved over the last four years. He's only he's only one of the guys ahead of him in that category. Now, Bellinger and Yelich have each won the last two NL MVPs. Judge only played in 102 games. And Ronald Acuna Jr., Almost went 40-40 in the second full se- well, second season in Major League Baseball. 
So buying or selling Mookie Betts is the best right fielder in baseball. Uh, I, 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 I got to buy it. It's, it's really tough for me with Bellinger because Bellinger plays center. He plays right. He plays some first base. He predominantly played right, though. That's where he hit 27 defensive runs. I know, but, but <laughs> the last few years, he's been all over the place. I'll buy bets. Will you buy this? March 30th. March 30th. Fifth game of the year. Houston Astros here in Oakland. Oh, I know. That's that starts like a big stretch for the team. I think like I think the following weekend the uh, Yankees and Red Sox are here. It's a big opening month for the. We start off with the Twins, but yeah, that's going to be a good series. So as I said, I want to see what it's like. The atmosphere is like at the Coliseum when the Astros are in town for the first time. Single game tickets go on sale on January twenty fifth. That's the same day as Fan Fest. Go to athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Come see. The Houston Astros. So it's not a good time in Houston right now. While the Astros are dealing with this mess, um, they have players heading to arbitration like George Springer. They need pitching help. Uh, Lance McCullers is arguing with uh, Trevor Bauer on Twitter. They choked away the World Series after being up 3-2 and heading. And, uh, they were heading back home up 3-2 after coming back in that series against the Nationals. But the Houston Texans were supposed to be the hope of Houston. And they were up 24-0 yesterday, and you tweeted out, and I exposed you on Old Takes Exposed, about how the Chiefs play. It was a playoff nightmares continue. or It was true. They were down 14-0 at home. They were down 24-0. And then, uh, well, well when I made that tweet, they were down 14-0. Well, the Chiefs went on this, you know, they went on a 51-7 run to win the game 51-31. And what I call it an epic choke job. And this, the Astros saved Bill O'Brien for being, being destroyed in Houston media today. For what happened. Yes. So buying or selling the Texans choke job was bigger than the Astros. It's one of the worst losses in uh, NFL history. Is that karma getting back at the city of Houston for the Bills comeback? Oh. Karma. It's 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 it is a rough day for Houston sports. It's been a rough 24 hours. So I wanted. To, I've been. I had this one on here for a while. And I've, I'm glad I can finally get to it. So optimism is running high in Chicago, especially on. Wait for it. The South Side. The White Sox. Southsiders. Yeah, that's two. The White Sox continue to dominate the offseason. They've signed Yasmani Grandal, which was like the first free agent signing of the period. They signed Dallas Keuchel and Edwin Encarnacion. They were. They have been linked to Nicholas Castellanos, and they least they resigned Luis Robert to a six-year deal when he's never played a Major League Baseball game, and someone had him and their top 10 center fielders in baseball ready. He's never played a Major League game. You mean uh, Robert, as you like to call him? Yeah, Robert. Yeah. The experts love the White Sox, think they could finally win the AL Central for the first time since 2008. So buying or selling Chicago White Sox will win the AL Central. No. So. Still a Twins division, I think. Yeah. So this offseason, we've seen three teams. We've seen three teams not spend uh, money. The Pirates, the Rockies, and uh, I. for some reason, I forgot to write down the other one. The Red Sox, I believe, were the other one. No, Dodgers. No, I don't remember. It was the Pirates or Rockies. Were Dodgers one. signed Trinan. They got Trinan. They got in Jimmy Nelson. There's another team. I can't. I'm, it slipped my mind. But there are several teams that have spent big this offseason. The White Sox, $201.5 million. The Phillies. Toronto, Arizona, Cincinnati, Atlanta. In the NFL, normally the team that spends the most money doesn't immediately win the next season. 
So buying or selling only one of the biggest spenders this offseason will make the playoffs. Well, I think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. Who'd you have? I'm, I was looking at the teams like I had the White Sox, Phillies, Toronto, Arizona, Cincy, and Atlanta. And Atlanta already won the division, so they're not. But I'm talking about the other ones that didn't make the playoffs. You think any of them? White Sox, Phillies, Blue Jays, Diamondbacks, Reds make the playoffs. No. The only one I could see maybe would be the Reds because everyone keeps saying how the Reds are. That's their year to take the uh, NL Central down. But we'll see. National title games tonight. Glad we can finally get to it. So the, a lot of stuff's going on. They kind of overshadowed that, and you never think about it. And I'm not talking about The Bachelor being on tonight either. That's going to be a big event too. What? Yeah, a lot of people watch. If you look at Twitter on Monday nights, people love The Bachelor for some reason. The college football playoff national championship is tonight. Clemson and LSU are both 14-0 this year. LSU is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and potential top pick in a draft. And Joe Burrow, former Ohio State quarterback. Clemson has a potential top pick in next year's draft and Trevor Lawrence. Both coaches, Dabo Sweeney and Coach O, are great stories. Clemson's looking to win their 30th game in a row and their third national title in four years. LSU hasn't won a national title since 2007. So buying or selling, Clemson will win their third national title in four years. I'm buying. Dabo. And Dabo we trust. All right, last one. So the Giants DFA'd Zach Cozart, the big trade they made this year taking all that money, but they got a first-round draft pick out of it. But the biggest news came down in our neck of the woods with the Giants, and that was the Giants, San Jose Giants, naming Pat Burrell as their new hitting coach. Pat the Bat? Pat the Bat is a San Jose native and hit 292 career home runs. He also went to Bellarmine, High, Bellarmine Prep, correct? That is correct. He was essential to that 2010 Giants team that won the World Series that didn't have any power, but he provided the power. So buying or selling, Pat Burrell will make the San Jose Giants, or no, Pat Burrell will make the Giants into a power-hitting franchise. Uh, I'm selling. (laughs) Pat the Bat. Really? He's going to be a hitting coach for the San Jose Giants? That's cool. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter earlier. I was like, that's something I can work down. He's a San Jose guy, and we'll talk about San Jose guys. I don't know if he's going to like riding those buses, though. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. Or maybe he doesn't. He made a lot of money, so maybe Pat. Maybe he just drives. Maybe flies anyway. Yeah, or he drives his own luxury automobile instead of riding on the bus. Also, speaking of San Jose, um, there was a report out there earlier that the Sharks are looking to be sellers at the deadline, but want to keep the core intact. Sharks up. I was at the game Saturday. uh, Joe Pavelski returned to the tank. Great moment there. Sharks won again. They're hot. They've won two in a row. Kobe sniffing the playoffs. I think they're still six or eight points out of the wild card spot. When's the last time the Sharks were sellers? Oh boy. I mean they've been pretty they've been pretty good in the last twenty years. I know. They had a down year a couple years ago with Todd McClellan and they make the playoffs, but then every year after that with the board they made it. So we'll see. But that's all I got. A crazy day in Major League Baseball. We are gonna replay the show. You'll get my opinion on what happened with the Houston Astros as AJ Hinch and Jeffrey Luno were fired by the Houston Astros after they both received a year-long suspension. Jim Crane took it upon himself, the owner, saying uh, we need to make a change. Don't forget, you can get your sweets. Go look at the sweet packages, athletics.com slash sweets. And single-game tickets go on sale January 25th, and that's athletics.com slash tickets. 
We'll see you all back here on A's Cast Live on Wednesday. Enjoy the national championship game. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 